and the nice lake. Not bad. Sobbing for Pete's sake. Praying this nightmare just can't be true. I'm surprised you know this song, by the way. Pitiful drafting. <laughs> the QB's regressing. The coach and the GM without any clue. Sliding away again in Loserville. <laughs> Thanks for winning this week. Pray the losses might come to a halt. Your prayers worked, didn't they? Some people claim that there's the coffee to blame, but I know it's Pete Carroll's fault. <laughs> Is it though? Still? <laughs> the dogs were feeding. Chris Peterson leading. Ah, oh, good old days. Pack 12 titles and a playoff, too. Ah, oh, good times. But then came the shocker. And Jen's off her rocker. Lake and his staff turned the whole thing to poo. <laughs> they sure did. <laughs> Pretty impressive in a short time, too. Sliding away again in Loserville. Pray the losses might come to a halt. Some people claim that there's Amazon to blame. <laughs> But I know Hell, it's Jen Cohen's fault Nice <laughs> Little music, little uh, instrumental Sure, yeah, yeah You like Buffett or just this song? No, I don't <laughs> Had a feeling <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm surprised you knew this like this next stance is my favorite. Okay. Romar to Coach Hop has become a huge flop. <laughs> VMs get an ace, but unlikely to climb. Had to change that. Yeah. <laughs> the Sounders get a mention in the right direction. Kraken will be winners, just a matter of time. Here we go now. Let's do it. Wasting away again in Loserville. Praying losses will come to a halt. Some people claim that there's Microsoft to blame, <laughs> but I know Howard Schultz is at fault. <laughs> sure Wait, I thought coffee wasn't to blame at one point. <laughs> yes, some people claim that there is coffee to blame. Then again, it's my own damn fault. Oh, all right.
I want an earnest as we begin episode 169. An earnest evaluation. Yeah, but- Writing, performance. This is my- See, now, sometimes I, I forget because you you were with me at the beginning and yeah. then you went on to big fame with, uh, That's right, big fame. with T-Man. Uh-huh. And then I started doing stuff after you left and yeah. then you came back. So I don't know whether this was in the middle. You don't know about Mitch's medleys? No. Douchebag Harbaugh yeah. style. See, sell them maybe. That the I remember. Song. I feel you like do. that that got that like made some noise in the community, that, that one. I would I would think all of them did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but weren't there some hurt feelings maybe? Yeah. Yeah, yeah like yeah. it was like some behind the scenes. Shishkaberries. There were some shishkaberries. Yeah, references. some hurt feelings I remember. So yeah. I've, I've done a I've done a probably about eight or ten of them. So I don't know. I don't know what you remember about that. This is just a a continuing. Yeah. Yeah. So no, it's impressive. I'm very impressed. I mean, you wrote, See, you're saying it. You're well, just no, it. Okay. But you wrote three verses. I did. Which isn't easy. It's a lot no, of writing no, and rhyming. Especially when after you do Loserville, the Mariners sign an ace, the Cy Young right. Award winner to screw you up. <laughs> yeah. And then after you write Loserville, the Seahawks go out and decide to beat the 49ers. So there's a yeah. there was a little bit of um there was a little bit of a curveballs that were th- I had to change some lyrics. It was ready for last week with different yeah. lyrics, and then I changed it up a little bit. Now, do you do you rhyme based off the real lyrics? Good question. I don't know. Yes, kinda, sorta, yeah, sometimes. A lot of people do that just I think by habit, because yeah. I, I know that there, there's a line um stepped on a pop top. Yes, on the real yes. one. And then you did a Romar, coach hop. Romar yeah. to coach hop. So I was just curious if, if you Something, use that as a guide I or think, not. I think what I try to do is my first goal is to do that. But sometimes you just can't come up with the words and it yeah. would just not sound right. So you just do it your own way. But yes, I try to, I try to make it sound a little bit like that. I think you should multi-track the chorus. Say that again. You should multi-track your chorus. I don't know what chorus. that means. Like me a couple of times? Like three. Oh, so, it would sound good. Yeah, so do the one that you're doing now, but then can you sing it in one in a higher register and then a lower register? I can't do that though. Okay, but then if you still multi-track the same one, it would sound fuller, like a would? Phil Spector like wall of just sound. Wasting away yeah. again yeah. in loserable. That whole yeah. chorus. Yeah, yeah, that's what I would do, do. It three times and put it in there three times. I would multi-track it. Oh, yeah, and stagger them just like I mean, talking like a tiny, tiny, tiny bit. Oh, that's a great idea. And it would sound full. It's kind of like the guy from Shears who said that he was the backup that's singer. Right. Everything. That's right? exactly right. Yes. Yeah, I've been reading. Should a lot I redo about- it and do do that? It wouldn't be that hard, really. You just got to copy and paste. But yeah, it might sound. I'm just kind of curious how it would sound. And then if you if you could do one in a higher or lower registry. See, I found this is the the savior is the fact that I come up with this idea, and then I start writing the song. Registry, register. Sorry. What? <laughs> I said higher registry, like I'm register, buying a gift for register, a wedding. Register, yeah. yeah. So I I I I come up with the idea. It's not hard. Margaritaville, Loserville, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I get the lyrics. I write the song. I change the lyrics. I don't ever listen to. I don't listen to it. I just. And then I come to do it, and I find that the karaoke version is in a is in a oh, uh, key, key I can't yeah. I can't reach. That's right. There's yep. one, maybe there's others, but there's one company that I subscribe to that allows you to download different keys, mm. like lower keys, to get into your range. Great. Otherwise, it would be the worst. I would not, I would not even done it. Yeah. If I had to do it at the key, the normal key, so I I brought it down. That's why I don't think I'm good enough okay. to be able to do like an octave higher or a key higher and a key lower and yeah. then put them together. Okay. I don't think that would work out for us. I don't, I don't think that would sound good. <laughs> I still think that if you, yeah, if you, if you multi-track the chorus, it would come in fuller. Okay. It, it would give it some, uh, a little distinction from the verse. But do you like the words? Love I mean, it. did you like, it's I, impressive. I hit, I hit the Huskies. You're hitting all the, all the companies that, that keep everybody employed around <laughs> here for God's sakes. I mean, Jesus. Not, me. Not keeping me employed. <laughs> me neither, actually. Yeah, right. 
<laughs> I mean, God, Starbucks, Microsoft, oh, God. Amazon, you're hitting yeah, everyone, yeah. you know? Anyway, <laughs> there great. you go. Loved it. 169, Mitch Unfil, Loserville, Mitch Unfil, and I will try it. I'll go back and I'll take a look and I'll try to, so you think, sing it three times, I don't same think you key, have, you don't and then have, put them all together. Or you could just take the one you have and just copy and paste that three times. Oh, and it's, just it, move it like a half, like a, an eighth of a second. Yes. If that, yeah, just okay. a tiny bit. Okay. So it sounds a little right. like I'll there's three of you doing it. I'll try that and I'll, I'll let you know. Yeah, I'm curious I'll to hear that. that I, I've, been, I've been reading a lot about Mutt Lang, the greatest music producer of all time for rock music. So I have this stuff in my head. The truth <laughs> of the matter is, if I'm being honest, I have thought for a long time since you have joined the show. Mm. I mean, I know you do the great podcasts on the musical retrospect and all that stuff. And everybody loves that on page. But... I have thought for a long time that you would be a great parody guide. Mm. You could write them, you could perform them, you can see. I'm using karaoke. I'm. I mean, I could sit down at the piano, but yeah. it wouldn't sound so good. You should. All this time, you could have been doing parody songs probably better than anybody. That's yeah, maybe. I never really thought about oh, it. Oh, you I, could I've be never doing tried parody. one because <laughs> you know all these songs. Yeah. You even know how to perform these songs. You could probably write it very easily, much easier than I. And it might even be more biting and funnier from you than it would be for me. But I don't know. Well, look, I don't want to take everything from you. People know I'm a better interviewer. We, we already <laughs> went down that that road. And now, if I take this from you, what do you have left? Scott's melodies doesn't <laughs> no, rock, it doesn't, sure doesn't. doesn't ring like Mitch's no, melodies. No, it doesn't. All right, Unfiltered is available everywhere you find podcasts. There you go. Loserville. Loved it. The, uh, the world debut of Loserville. Uh, please subscribe, listen, and throw us a rating and review on Apple. Also, click, click play on many show, as many shows as you are possible, willing to do. We need you to click play on shows. Become a patron for all of our extra shows each week. No Table, Slickhawk, O'Neill, Mueller, King, Lock and Fora. It all costs $5 a month, but if that's a problem for you during the holiday season, just let me know. And uh, at Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com. Just send me an email, Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com, and I'll take care of you because I don't want anybody to miss that programming because they can't afford the five bucks. Let's see. Emails. Tons of complimentary emails and tweets on the DJ Peterson interview. Yep. So I won't read those. Did you get a chance to I did. hear? Oh, yeah. What do you think? What do you think of DJ getting hit in the face and breaking his jaw in eight places? Well, it. it- you know I love horror movies, right? Like I, 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 I didn't can, know that, but okay. But I, I can I watch can horror. Guess. I can watch them all day. It doesn't yeah. gross me out. Yeah. Anything to do with teeth? Oh, it's hard for me. How to about like, eyeballs? Well, yeah, eyes okay. Not okay, but teeth. Like him. Teeth. The fact that he said he spit a couple teeth out on home plate. <laughs> like it was hard for me to move on from that. I hate teeth stuff. I couldn't believe it, but no, it was. Oh. A, he's so inspirational. And have you? Is there an athlete you're rooting for more than this guy? It's hard to come well, up with Well, I don't think it's a completely uncommon situation. I mean, other players, other baseball players have been hit in the face before. Yeah. We've had pitchers that have had hit line drives back in the face. So I don't, I'm not suggesting that he is like one in a billion, like no one has never had. But, you know, you find out the story and what was going on behind this. All I know is I was on KJR, like tracking DJ Peterson's yeah. trek to the big leagues. Like he was going to, he was literally going to be the middle of the lineup, all-star third baseman wow. for the Mariners for the next 15 years. And then, yeah, I may have heard he got hit by a pitch, but I, you don't know. They don't tell you everything. The Mariners yeah. are not, they're not calling KJR to say, hey, the guy was in, the guy lost blood. He was in the hospital for 20 days. You guys don't have any idea the extent of the hit. All we were saying is, oh, DJ Peterson was hit by a pitch, you know, maybe in the face, and hopefully he'll be back soon. Yeah. You don't really know what's going on. Crazy. Now you do. And he's getting that now anxiety when, the, when, the, when he gets that certain count and all that. It was Ugh. just, oh, I know. I'm, I'm, oh. And I was doing the math. I was like, he's probably, oh, yeah, he's 29. 29. Like, and he's still playing and he's trying st- to come back with the Colorado Rockies. Love it. Nice. I'd be so happy if it he would gets be nice. a shot. It would be nice. Yeah. But it's the Mariners' luck, right? 
Oh, totally. Yeah, that's yeah. You don't want to get drafted. If you heard this story about a player who was earmarked for stardom, first round draft choice, light power tower, who got hit in the face and never was the same again, and I said to you, what team, what organization do you think that that is? You would say, oh, it's got to be the Mariners. Yeah. Got to be the Mariners. Yep. Well, probably not. Everybody would say their own team. Yeah, probably. All right. So I I appreciate all the complimentary emails and tweets. I won't read those, but I want to read this one. Hey, Mitch, hard to not get excited about the Mariners, but I'm trying to avoid that, the excitement. We've all been let down so many times before. (laughs) Help me do that. I guess he's asking me to help me. Sean in Portland wants me to help him wants us to help him avoid getting too excited over the Robbie Ray signing oh. and everything else that's come up in the last couple of weeks. And now that this, everybody's talking about the Mariners yeah. in 2022, he just doesn't want to get too excited. But what can you do? What does he want you well, to do? Well, I can do it very easy. <laughs> okay. I can do it very And I'm a Mariners fan. I'm a 25-year yeah, Mariners fan yeah. since I got here. It's true. I'm a Mariners fan. You and I went to games in 95. Did we go together? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. Did I take you or did you take me? I'm sure you took me at that point in my life. It's six bucks an hour, I think. Yeah, you're probably taking me. Well, I have no problem helping him avoid getting too excited. Okay. You want me to do it? Real quickly. 226 team batting average last year, 30th out of 30 teams. On base percentage, 28th out of 30 teams. Slugging percentage, 26th out of 30 teams. Run scored, 22nd out of 30 teams. They struck out the fifth most of the 30 teams. And they've added essentially a superstar or Cy Young pitcher. Okay? That's all you need to know. They were the worst, if not the worst, pretty much the worst offensive team in all of baseball last year. And they've added, yeah, Adam Frazier is a nice piece that they added. Yeah. But they have not addressed their offense just yet. Okay? Okay. I'll also tell you Kyle Lewis can't stay healthy. Evan White has been a severe disappointment, hasn't been able to stay healthy, and when he does, he stinks. I think it's pretty easy to help Sean in Portland avoid getting too excited. I'm, I'm here for you. I can't do much, but I can I can poo-poo on a lot of things. Oh, God, you're a real natural at this. I mean, God, you can shit on anything and make people lose interest. Boy, who knew you I had don't that want next? you to lose interest. Okay, all I'm right. just trying to avoid. Yeah. I mean, they hit 226 as a team last year in the American League with a DH. DH yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you lost Seager. <laughs> and by the way, there are 30 teams. They were not only 30th in team batting average, but they were like six points behind 29th. So like it was like 226 and then 232, 33, 33, 34, 34. Th- oh, so they were like, significant. oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Well, the way yeah. I look at it is the way I look at when I play when I play roulette. If my numbers haven't come up for a long time, yeah. Oh, now they're due. Do you play roulette? Oh, yeah. We've talked about. You this. ever go to this Nokwami Casino and play roulette? I, I've been retired from gambling for a while now, just because. How you know, long? I was unemployed a couple times, and yeah. it's probably not a good move to be. Yeah. So it's been a long time. It's been a while since okay. I've since I've gambled. I, yeah. But I, I now that I have a job, I think I'm back. Yeah. I think I'm ready go to lose back. it all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to flip my life upside down. <laughs> I've had a job for two months. I'm ready to end it all. Let's go. Let's put the mortgage on black. Let's oh, do it. Oh, gosh. Uh, Are you but, still going down that dead-end road of gambling with the, the Soquamic Casino? Oh, of course. You mean on the, fo- on the football game? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you love Just it. getting killed. Yeah. No, well, I'm not. Not really. I've done okay. Actually. Oh, good. Okay. I, I've actually, it's actually more fun to talk about when I'm losing. Yeah. But in the last, uh, you know, five, six, seven weeks, I've made a little bit of a comeback. Did, were you so. on that, that Alabama Mine, weren't they? Uh, they were plus seven, weren't they, Alabama? They were plus six and a half. Okay. 
Now, Rick Neuheisel told me to take Georgia minus six and a half, but I have been taking Alabama every week the entire year, yeah. and I've gotten burned in the Texas A&M game. I got burned in the Auburn game. So I was not, as much as I love Rick Neuheisel, I was not getting off of my, my deal. So oh, good. So I you stayed it. on it. Oh, yeah. Good for you. Oh, yeah. Talk about a game. You didn't have to sweat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was fun. And I've got two more. I'll be taking them against Cincinnati minus like a billion. Yeah. And then whoever wins the uh, Georgia-Michigan game, I will be taking them minus the points against Georgia-Michigan. And by the way, people will say, oh, my God, you were getting six and a half, and now they're playing Georgia again, and they're giving seven. Yeah. I'll gladly lay the points. Yeah. Nick Saban will take care of me. He will. He'll take care of me. Bryce Young will take care of me. Just imagine being in the SEC and not being an Alabama fan. I mean, they just ruin your life. I mean, they, they, look what they did to, the week before to um, – who did they play the week before – they, uh, they were on the ropes. Auburn. Yeah, Aub- Auburn. Or overtime. Auburn had them. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 Let them off the hook. Georgia's 12-0. and 0. Like, what a season. Look at Lincoln. <laughs> look at, all you need to do is look at Lincoln Riley. He was the coach of Oklahoma making – he was the Pied Piper, one of the great college yeah. coaches and one of the great programs in America. And where's Oklahoma going? Um, they're not going to the play. Yeah, they're going to the SEC. Oh, right. Hot I, shots. I they're moving. Yeah, 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 they're moving. And guess where Lincoln Riley's yeah. doing rather than go to the SEC to face Nick Saban <laughs> once a year? Yeah, I'll pass. <laughs> I'll go to USC and hang with uh, Washington and Washington State and Cal and Oregon State. Or LA over Norman. I mean, come on. That, come on. That's that got to be a part of it. That I mean, too. Yeah, but yeah. there's a nice perk of not having to face Nick Saban. True. Not having to win the SEC with Nick Saban hanging along. Easier to get hanging to the around. top of the Pac-12 class than it is the top no of the question. SEC class. All right, beat the boys. Uh, I owe you a a new password and new games for what it will be week, I think, 14? Weekend number 14. Did you, so, yeah. did you do your picks this week? I did do my picks. I had people reminding you. People were... Slickhawk was reminding you. He sent you a tweet. Other people were sending you tweets to remind you. You did your picks, right? I did my picks. Okay, But, wh- but why does everyone want me in if I suck so bad? I couldn't figure that part out. Like, I figure it doesn't make any difference. <laughs> of course. One like, way is, or the other. Why is everyone reminding thing. me? What's the big deal? So beat the boys week 14. I owe you some, uh, some games and a password. Ravens at Browns. Cowboys at Washington football team. Bills at Buccaneers. How about that one? Bills at Buccaneers. Good one. And the code word for week 14 to be able to make your picks is the word Ray, as in Robbie Ray. R-A-Y. Got it. Okay, the newly signed Cy Young winner uh, in the American League is now a Seattle Mariner. That's Beat the Boys, presented by Fireside Home Solutions. Thank you, John. Thank you to the entire Fireside Home Solutions staff. Love them and appreciate all that they have done for me and the show as sponsors of Beat the Boys, okay? Guests. Yes, you have something. The week before, you took shots at me for not wanting it to go to overtime, and I was kind of rooting against the Seahawks to get it yeah. to overtime. We're getting there, yeah. So I picked the Seahawks against San Francisco. I'll have you know in Beat the oh, was Boys. Was it on this? I don't even remember the games. Yeah, it was uh, L.A. at Cincinnati. I'm sure Chargers I Chargers won that, right? Yeah, I had Cincinnati. I had Cincinnati. Yeah. And then San Francisco at Seattle. I had Seattle. At Seattle. And then we have New England and Buffalo on Monday And nights. I have Buffalo. I took the three home teams. As did I. And by the way, I was 6-0 in our last six. And I was, I believe, I believe 11 out of my last 12 or 9 out of my last 10. Something like that. So Good. I've been on a little bit of a mini roll. We don't really need you. Um, <laughs> That's what I thought. Guests on this episode 169. So I, I, I pulled... I pulled a switcheroo. Normally, I lead off the guests with Joe and Brady on the Seahawks no table after you and I are done. Yeah. I'm shifting it. Okay. Because I did an interview with Olin Krutz. Do you remember Olin Krutz? Yes. Jim Lambright, star center. Yes. 
broke the jaw of a teammate in college. I remember. Got suspended. I think the teammate lost like 60 pounds and never was the same. Mm. Never played football again. I don't know that they ever played football again. He went off to start him in the NFL uh, as the center of the Chicago Bears, was on the all-decade team. Yeah. In the, so he was a really good player. Might get into the Hall of Fame, might not. Olin Krutz, I, I, I requested that Olin Krutz come back on. He was great to come on. I had no idea how good this interview was going to be. Oh, good. I am, and I hate to high bar, low bar. I hate to overpromise and underdeliver. Yeah. But I think that you will listen. I'm putting this as number one. I think you will listen to this and say one of the best three interviews of the year on Mitch Unfiltered. Wow. That's how, and it's not me. That's how good this guy is. Okay. He tells the story of breaking the guy's jaw. Yeah. He had a similar incident in Chicago with the Bears. Mm. He talks about pinning Drew Brees up against the wall. He talks about unsolicited, listen to this. He talks about the stooge Rick Neuheisel who tried to recruit me to the University of Colorado. And he goes into that. I go, he's a friend. Can I, can I play this for him? He goes, sure. And I played it for Neuheisel. You did. Yes. I'm sure Neuheisel loved it, right? Loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want a quick Olin Krutz story? Yes. So the year is 1997. All right, I'm 24. And I, my girlfriend at the time is going to the University of Washington. Oh. And she has a class with Olin Krutz. Oh. And he's putting the moves on her. And he's, she's telling really? me, like, yeah, Olin wants to, you know, he's, like, hitting, you know, the whole thing. And I remember thinking, you can have her. <laughs> what am I going to do? Like, I'm not going to put up a fight. Because I knew about that story with the locker room. And, like, like I just thought, okay, I can't compete with this. If you, if she, if you want him, you got to go with him because nothing's The interview happen. actually <laughs> deals not with her, him trying to pick up your girlfriend. But <laughs> it deals did. with how he grew up. And his upbringing and how he was taught you fight when you have a problem, which yeah. he doesn't t- teach his kids. And he, he, he actually talks to our audience about, hey, it, it doesn't solve anything. Don't do it. Don't make the same mistakes. That, but he grew up that way. That's yeah. the way his father taught him. That's the way his family taught him. And when he came to Washington, the, his parents were in the middle of a divorce. He was homesick. And he didn't know how to deal with adversity except to put up his hands and break people's face which he did yeah which he did i i remember which reading he did. the scouting report on him coming out of college and there was a line in there it, this was looked at as a negative and i just wish somebody would say this about me one day may have overdone the weightlifting a bit <laughs> i remember thinking when will anyone ever say that about another human when can you have too much muscle you know that, that was him he, they thought he was used a little to say stiff. that about me that's right may have done overdone the yeah. weightlifting so olin Kutz is guest number one joe and brady the seahawks no table after the big win over the 49ers big win after the win yeah. over the 49ers yeah. is uh, is number two if they can win out maybe uh rick newheisel is three and rick newheisel is great this week we talk i play him the olin Kutz thing he gets a big kick Nice. out of it we talk about the Oregon coach going to Miami we talk about Nick Saban and Alabama and Georgia and the so final fun. four there's tons to talk about with uh New Heisel, who will be guest number three on this episode 169 you know how it works before we start a couple of words about my partners like Daniel's broiler for the holidays did you know that the Daniel's Broiler famous drink mixers like the Old Fashioned are being sold all over the place and they're red hot. Amazon QFC, here's the deal. For the month of December, Mitch Unfiltered listeners get 10% off on Amazon. Discount code MITCH10DB as in Daniel's Broiler. Fireside Home Solutions, title sponsor of Beat the Boys. Is there a better time than now? 
to look into a new fireplace. We bought ours just recently from John's crew. Start your search at firesidehomesolutions.com. The brand new Kirkland office of Cross Country Mortgage led by Jordan Flowers and his entire team. Brand new and great refinance opportunities available. You don't have any idea how much each month you could be saving on your mortgage. It takes seven minutes on a phone with Jordan to figure it out. 425-890-2957. Cost you nothing to call. Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning taxes and investments under one roof. Evergreen GK, more than just a financial advisor. Evergreen is everything wealth. And the Levy family loves Zeke's Pizza Their chopped salad is underrated. It may be the best salad in the Northwest. Download the Zeke's Pizza app and have pizza and beer and salads at your door in no time. Homegrown in the Northwest. Episode 169 with one of the best interviews you'll hear us ever do. I'm Mitch Unfiltered and it begins right now. Unfiltered. If he brings in Hainer, there is no competition. He's not bringing in Hainer to back me up after the guy threw for 32 touchdowns last year for this coach. If he brings in Hainer, he's telling me your second string next year. Unfiltered. Don't you love Marco Gonzalez as a number two guy? Don't you love Flexen and Gilbert or Gilbert and Flexen as threes and fours as opposed to Marco Gonzalez as your ace? Mitch is unfiltered. Shot Scott episode that was that was a pretty long tease with the song and everything. Yeah, I don't know why we even call it a tease. It's really not teasing anything. Is yes, it? it is. Oh, it is. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that was long. It's it's kind of teasing how mediocre these shows are going to be. <laughs> well, sometimes we, we go long on the tease because we just start doing anything to avoid having to talk about the Seahawks. At least I am. Well, not this week. Well, yeah, they yeah. beat the hated San Francisco 49ers. I thought it was an in, there was an interesting report which will leave. I think we'll leave it to the other stuff segment about Jody Allen. Have you seen the Jody Allen report, the sister of Paul Allen, and yeah. the, the question about how active she's going to be and whether Pete Carroll will stay or go and all that stuff? Yeah. We'll talk about that. There was a report this week. I kind of think it was bullshit. Okay. Just because I know how how tough it is to get any information out of the Allens, and yeah. all of a sudden somebody knows how she's feeling. Uh, I have a hard time believing the report. We'll, we'll leave that to the other stuff segment. But the Seahawks win... The Seahawks win 30-23. to They still own Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers. So as bad as they are, they swept. They've got four wins this year, and God. two of them come against the San Francisco 49ers. So here's the way I figure it. They win despite a few things. Okay. Ready, my, ready for a few things that they win despite? Sure. Let's start with Gerald Everett. What kind of a Sunday afternoon in the park? Did Gerald Everett have for your Seattle Seahawks? 20 years from now, if there's a point-shaving scandal involving <laughs> Gerald Everett, I'm going to look back at this game and go, I knew it! How did we not see it? I mean, come on, man. Well, he lost if there was a point. He didn't succeed in that either because they still oh, won. they still won. He tried, though. He still tried. I mean... Uh, Could you have yeah. a worse football? And here's the thing about Gerald Everett, and I don't know how closely you've been watching over the last six weeks. I was really thinking about this, and I don't want to enter into hyperbole, but I will say this. Over the last six weeks, if you said to me, Mitch, over the miserable last six six weeks with 
Russell being out and Gino being in and all that stuff. If, yeah. if you had to tell me who was the best offensive football player on the Seahawks the last six weeks, and Mitch, you can have offensive linemen, tight end, wide receivers, running backs, quarterback, anybody on the offense. Mm-hmm. I think it's an easy answer. I think that Gerald Everett has been clearly the best offensive yeah. football player on the – and I say That's that fair. for a couple of reasons. A, because I think it needs to be said. And B, I mean, I've got people tweeting me they should cut him tomorrow. Oh, yeah, you yeah. can never have a, a game like this. He's terrible. Thank, thank goodness he has a one-year contract. I mean, everybody, believe me, everybody's allowed a bad day. Sure. And this was a, an all-time horrendous bad day. But you got to remember, this guy has been really, really, really good. But, oh, my God, he almost single-handedly blew a football game. Tiki Barber had a really good point on that play where it was like the little shovel pass. Yes. Tiki Barber said that tight ends just, they're not used to protecting the ball in between the tackles. Former running back saying that. Yeah, it makes sense. That's a great, great call by him. It's so true. Why are we we trusting him? But we see tight ends, that play all the time all over the league. But it's usually Gronkowski, either wide open or... Gronkowski no. runs that yeah. play. Jimmy Graham runs... All the tight ends run that play. That play is not like somehow an aberration. Only Seattle's running that play. A lot of a lot of teams run that play to tight ends. They, they do, but I, I don't think you can then be surprised if he fumbles when he gets hit in, I guess inside not. the tackle. But how about the, the gimme touchdown that goes up in the yeah. air for the, for the interception? How about early in the game where he gets the ball stripped by a defensive lineman who's running out on a, on a tight end? I mean, it was just was- unbelievable. I mean, it was it was so bad that you almost hope, not almost, you do hope that it wasn't like so legend. We've had players who have had games like this, kickers, players who have had games like this that are never the same after that. Oh, yeah. I hope that I hope that next week we're not watching Gerald because he seems like a nice guy. And as I said, he's been a a very good football player for them, a very good acquisition. I wish they'd use him more. But boy. That was horrible. A couple of good hits on him. I mean, you know, and then one where one he just should have caught it and he didn't. I don't think it was I don't think it's life I don't think it's career ending for I him. Hope I, not. I think he'll be okay. I hope yes. he's not like the the greyhound that catches the bunny. Right. <laughs> which you taught me last week, which is so cool. I didn't even know. Two weeks from now he'll have like three touchdowns and I we'll hope. be loving him. And yeah. So they back. win despite Gerald Everett. They win despite again an incredibly bad set and use of timeouts. I was wondering if you're going to bring this up. I asked this on Twitter. I'll ask it to you on the podcast. Is there any team in the NFL that uses more timeouts because they're unorganized on offense or unorganized on defense? And just before the snap on offense and defense, Pete Carroll's running down the sidelines to call a timeout. Yep. Does any team in NFL history do that more often <laughs> than the Seattle Seahawks? It's- they literally do it three times a game. Yeah. On both offensive, they either don't have the right offensive personnel out there or they're late getting the play in or he's late getting to the to the line of scrimmage or the defensive guys are running off the field at the last yeah, second. I, know. I mean, who uses timeouts like that more than Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks? I, I thought the cherry on top was them calling a timeout, which I don't think they wanted to, but they had to. And then the next play was a false start. Unbelievable, right? Like, we really don't know the count coming out of a timeout. Like, holy crap. You, you, you run out of time after you've had a timeout. <laughs> right, right. And then, oh, yeah, it wasn't a false start. It was a delay. That's right. It was a delay yeah, a game. Delay game. Crazy. Delay yeah. a game right after right a after timeout. timeout. Yeah, I know. Nobody more than this. And then, of course, down the stretch, 
when the 49ers have the ball deep down in your territory and either you're going to score or not score. Yeah. The idea there is on defense, once they get to that point in the field where they're like inside the 10, you're using your timeouts. Yeah, you're giving them a break to, to catch their breath, but yeah. you want to conserve as much time in case they do score the seven so that you have a time to go down and get the field goal, right? They don't have timeouts because they're using them disorganized. That's right. It's, yeah. cra- it's crazy. I know. It's just crazy. And by the way, where's this this high-powered, fast-moving offense from, oh, wait wait till you see Waldron. He's going to come in. I mean, we're going to be snapping it, you know, with 15 seconds left on the clock. Well. High-powered, fast. Let, let's go. It It happened. It happened at the end of the second quarter, and they scored a touchdown. <laughs> okay. And then it happened in the third quarter when they got the ball, and they scored a touchdown. But <laughs> Don't we do the whole that, game or no? That, that wasn't <laughs> enough proof to them. Right. It, it was unbelievable. Every time they slowed things down, and I was going to bring that up, every time they slowed things down and huddled mm-hmm. and went to the line, that's when San Francisco would come up with sacks. I don't know if you noticed that. Not necessarily, Yes, no. they were coming up with sacks. Russia was under intense pressure. When they were slowing down, every time they were mm. no huddling and hurrying up yeah. and getting to the line of scrimmage, it slows the San Francisco pass rush, and they were able to be functional offensively. Everybody in the world on social media sees it. Everybody that's watching it on TV sees it. Everybody who's listening on radio even sees it. Right. But Pete Carroll and, and Shane Waldron don't see it. When they got into hurry-up mode, they were moving the ball at yeah. will and scoring. Because the defense can't call their call their play. They, they can't get well, their they formation. Get, and they get tired, tired and yeah. they can't sub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the linemen get a, get a little, the, the Bozes of the world get a little, they lose a step. And yeah. I'm telling you. It works. They should do it the whole freaking game. It'd be nice. And I, meant, I didn't mean to spit that, but I did. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Despite. Okay, despite. They won the game despite... Uh, the Sidney Jones second-to-last play in the back of the end zone where he did not get a hold. Oh, yeah. yeah the I know. incomplete pass on yeah. third down in the – okay. I know. I'd like to be <laughs> such a Seahawks fan <laughs> that I, I'm blind to it, but come on. That is called yep. 19 out of 20 times. That's defensive holding, and the Seahawks caught – on an enormous no-call break. there, And I'm getting people saying, I don't know, maybe it was. Th- th- those are Seahawks fans who yeah, just yeah. can't it's see 50, reality. 50. You could, no, yeah. no. That was, yeah. he was all over them until the ball arrived. They could have called holding. They could have pass called interfer- pass interference. Yeah. <laughs> they could have called anything they yeah, want. Parking tickets. Yeah, parking tickets, yeah, yeah. speeding, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, It's funny. Shoplifting. 49er fans, because you know I love the message boards. 49er fans for 10 years have been saying, that Russell and Pete Carroll have a lucky horseshoe up their bum. They get every call. Get every call. The refs love them. Refs love them. And now they just handed it to them on a platter for the next five years with that call. Those They're nuts. going to be saying that till they die now. That, 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 call. Sh- that should have been called. Yeah, I agree with that you. That should have been called. Terrible. Right. Um, let's see here. Carlos Dunlap makes a couple of big plays. He nice did. to see him come back. He had a walk-off play again. He loves the walk-off. And he had the sack for a safety, which was huge to tie the game. So big. He's done nothing all year. They re-signed him. Everybody wanted him back. He, the only thing he's done all year is throw a shoe and get a 15-yard penalty for show, throwing <laughs> shoes. Oh, God, that he was He didn't awful. throw any shoes on Sunday, and he made some big plays. So good for him. Um, D. Eskridge. Welcome, fella. There's a D. Eskridge sighting. Awesome. What do you have, two catches? Yeah, whatever it was, it's, it felt like 12 for 226 <laughs> yards and four touchdowns. That's right. You start him on your fantasy oh, team next week. Oh, God. Huh? It's nice to have a number one sighting, huh? So great. And they still don't really put him on the field very much. He's yeah. out there. Very, when, you, when you see the snap count when it comes out on Monday or Tuesday, you're going to see that D. Eskridge played very few snap, snaps, but he caught a couple balls and got in the end zone. Nice yep. to see 
a draft, God forbid, a draft choice actually pan out. I know, crazy. Maybe, maybe not. And uh, sorry to hear that Jamal Adams is now hurt. Yeah, sprained shoulder. Is he out for the year? I don't know. Have it's a sprain, yeah. so hopefully not. Yeah. And he's already had shoulder problems, has I he think not? so, yeah. yeah I don't I know, know if it's the has. same one, but yeah. I did hear sprained shoulder. So yeah. I don't think so. it's going to be... I don't think it'll be year-ending, but look, they, they, they get rid of the weak link and they finally win. There you go. Who knew that was the answer? Get, get Jamal Adams of off the field oh. and you'll get a win. <laughs> oh, I didn't even put him in Loserville, Jamal. Yeah, it's, I mean, what are you going to do? Ah. <laughs> I, he plays well, but it's like but everyone just looks at the money and what they gave up for him. Yes. No one's going to ever live up to that. So he is a pretty damn good safety. I okay. think. No, right. I mean, you know, he's a good safety. Pretty good Is he safety. worth the money and no. all the draft picks? Of no. course not. No. No. We'll get used to him. I don't think he's going anywhere. No, I don't think he is either. No. So there you go. What do you have? You have anything on the game that you wanted to talk about? Well, the coaching staff takes a lot of crap. You know, understandably, week in and week out, they feel like they get they don't make adjustments and they get outcoached. The special it's teams coach. It's a terrible coaching staff. It is. The special teams coach earned his money by seeing something in the Niners' oh, punt return yeah. team yeah. that they're just getting lazy and they're not containing because no one ever fakes it. And who would be dumb enough to do it on the 25 or whatever, they right? Yeah. That coach earned his money, whoever the special teams coach is. That, well, was, that, w- that would be Larry Izzo. Okay. Frank's brother. That was awesome. <laughs> Who's Frank Izzo? No, Tom Izzo. Tom from Michigan State, right? I think it would be Larry Izzo, oh, no. who is a former special team stalwart of your beloved Miami Dolphins. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. We loved him. Well, he saw something this week, and the fact that they had the cojones to call that. They did. Wow, that was fun. You know what also is great about that? They can't run the ball worth a lick, but that goes down as a running play. (laughs) Right. (laughs) No kidding. That's awesome. They get about one and a half yards of carry in their running game, but that comes along and it pumps you right up to four four yards of carry. (laughs) Homer probably hit some kind of bonus for rushing yards for the year or something with that. But by the way, he's the perfect. Do you like the flip? Going into the end zone, the flip. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. It was awesome. I mean, th- th- can these fans get something to get excited about? I love any of that stuff. Is he intending on the flip to land on his feet or land on his ass like he did? I think he's intending not to break his neck. <laughs> I think he just wants to make sure he gets all the way around and that if it's feet or butt, I'm good. I just don't want to break my neck on the way right. over. But okay. that was fun. Hey, last time you saw a fake punt from any team, I mean, the Seahawks, I can't think of one. A fake punt. Well, we see. Fa- no, well, I, okay, well, there, we it, don't see him work like that. No, that the, there was they don't a, work like that. The NFC Championship game against the Packers, but that was a pass. Remember, it was yeah. uh yeah. Well, that was a fake field goal. That was a fake field goal. Oh, it was. The, oh, sure. The punter made the play. Ryan oh, made he was the, the holder. Play. He was the holder. Yeah. A oh, fake yeah. punt though, to, the, I, to the to the tackle turn tight end. Yes. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah from yeah. Penn State. I yeah, think. yeah. That's right. Yeah. Look yeah. at me. I watch sports. Yeah, we can't come up with the name. <laughs> Homer. That's true. <laughs> but I think Homer's the perfect guy for that. I mean, no one can get to the edge quicker. Like he's really quick. Yeah. I don't know if he's fast, fast. I mean, he yeah. did house it. Yeah. But he's just so quick. He was just gone. That, also, that was fun. By the way, he also came up with a fumble recovery to start the third quarter. Oh. He didn't make he didn't make the um the hit. Somebody else made the hit. I'm trying to remember who made the hit. Belore or something? Yes, or? Nick Belore yeah, made yeah. the hit. And Homer came up with the ball. So he had a good day. And he had that first down on fourth down. He had the first down on fourth down. Yeah. I mean, it ended up not mattering, but yeah. at least he got the, the first and, down. and I will say, um, before we finish up, uh, uh, just on number three, he's taken a He's taken a beating since he's come back. Yep. And I will say that this was clearly his best game. Russell Wilson's best game since he come back. I agree. Now, is he still back to the old Russell Wilson? No. No. No, he airmailed a couple. Yeah. Oh, my God. He missed. Okay. He missed two or three that he normally makes long balls. DK Metcalf had beaten his guy on two or three occasions deep 
on the sidelines, one on the right sideline, one on the left sideline, twice, and Russell Wilson normally puts that ball in the money and he yeah. threw it out of bounds. Both times. One was a touchdown. Yep. Okay. And then I think what really speaks to his struggle getting back to where he was, I think we can talk about the incompletions all day long, but I'm glad you brought up Homer because I think what is, is more vivid an explanation of Russell Wilson's inaccuracy are some of his completed passes. Huh. He's throwing the ball. Some of the completed passes, he's turning guys around. A little they're low. low yeah. they're high. Take the Homer. The Homer one, point. by the way, the Homer one is, an exa- is a perfect example where he made the fourth down. You remember the third down play? He's wide open, and Russell Wilson throws the ball to him in front of the stakes, but it's way high, and he's got to go way up to make the catch. He caught it. He caught it, and then he doesn't get the first down. If Russell Wilson throws that ball on the money, that's an easy – there is no fourth down play. There were several, and there continues to be several plays where he makes completions hard. Russell does where balls are behind people or balls are underthrown and they're being completed and they could be bigger plays than they are if he was the normal Russell Wilson. Now, having said that, I'm, I'm bitching and moaning. Having said that, there were some really good throws, yeah. which I haven't seen since he's come back, in particular the one to Tyler Lockett for the touchdown, the over that. the show. It was a beautiful pass. Yep. So I think my conclusion is that Wilson's getting close. Well, when he He's got getting closer to his old self. Yeah, and when he got hurt, they said eight weeks. I think this is week eight. So he's kind of so next week he's supposed right. to be where where doctors said well, he right. should be. So well, no, what doctors said is that he should be playing in eight weeks. Yeah. So you would assume that he wouldn't be playing well in eight weeks. Right. So now we're at eight weeks or nine weeks where he's if if next week he plays like the old Russell Wilson and he starts throwing balls on the money. Yeah then you might say he's maybe even ahead of the game. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. No, de- definite yeah. improvement, for sure. No, no question about it. Best game since he's yep. he started, since he's back. But And I, ev- I, by the way, he should have had a couple touchdowns. Everett didn't help him out. No, That could have been another one, right? There was, right. Uh, there's, I think there's another one I'm, I'm missing. Two. Both of those Everett's were passes. Oh, right. They're both touchdown passes. Right. They're both gimmies. Yeah. And Everett cost him two touchdown passes. So, yeah, I, I think he's he's making better throws but I, I still think he's very inaccurate on some of his completions. Because, because you know, every completion isn't a good throw. Guys are bending down to their shoelaces yes. to get it off the ground. You've got to right. you, make some throws yep. to open guys where they catch it in stride, where it's supposed to be so they can make a big play out of it. He's he's constantly making, making wide receivers adjust to balls that he normally puts right on the button. Yep. And you kind of take it for granted, he normally puts it right on the button. Anyway, yep. okay, there's your, C, your Seahawks are uh, their winners, and they're not him. Yeah. We cannot not talk about yes. the fact that Adrian Peterson came out of the blue and scored a touchdown for the Seahawks. He sure did. How, what? what? I, I heard they signed him. I thought he was just going to milk no the practice sense. team. Cha- what? He scored a touchdown. It's crazy. Did Rashad Penny look better than he's ever looked as a Seattle Seahawk? Well, I said on Twitter, occasionally he shows us why he's never been cut. There is something there. It's just so so few and far between that and injuries and injury yeah but there's a reason he hasn't been cut the guy's been hurt more than know. anyone but then you see how explosive he can be and I kind of get it I get why they hang on to him he I does look amazing at I times. don't get the Adrian Peterson signing it makes no sense to me really no if they were eight and three it would make a lot of sense okay they're three and eight they're going nowhere why do you need a 35 year old or 36 year old great former great running back just play the guys you have yeah you got you got d dallas you've got 
Homer. You've got guys. you got Penny. Even, you know, he scored the touchdown. And by the way, he then disappeared for two quarters. You didn't even see. I thought Adrian Peterson was hurt. Oh. Because, P, because Penny was getting all the action after he yeah. scored the touchdown. He didn't even come back into the fourth quarter. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, Maybe this is Pete Carroll showing silly, his age. Silly signing to me. Maybe he recruited Adrian Peterson. He never got him. This is his one. I don't yes, know. Yes, well, you know that. He's always oh. loved him. Yeah, he's, he's talked about it. Okay. He's always loved him. So, he's yeah. always wanted him on his team. There you go. And there you go. And yeah. he gave him the freaking ball. <laughs> And he scored. Like, sorry, did Adrian Peterson just score for the yes, Seahawks? Adrian Peterson. What am I looking at here? Yeah. That's so weird. It's the Franco Harris. Better than that, though. Edgerin James. Well, Patrick Ewing for the Sonics. Jerry Rice. We could go on and just on. Just add Adrian Peterson yeah. to the list. It's a, he's a per, he's a perfect addition. We haven't had one in a long time. Kind of true, yeah. Just we. It's perfect. He's perfect to put on the list. What about Kevin the Mitchell? Famous list. Kevin Mitchell for the Mariners. Kevin, you put well, him on that list, or was he still pretty good? I think he was pretty good. He was okay. Because yeah. he was great in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Then he came to Seattle. He was like, eh, he's okay. Yeah, yeah. But they, they do love doing that, don't they? <laughs> it's just, maybe every team does it. I don't know. But that he is a perfect one to put on that list. Uh, Someone's got to put that list together. Three interviews. I think you'll really like Olin Krutz. And then the round table. Actually, it's called the no table. And then uh, you're going to love... Uh, you're going to love Neuheisel, especially when I play the Olin Krutz cut for him. Nice. About how Neuheisel was a buffoon. <laughs> <laughs> love it. That's my words, not his. You know, I got to say, a month or so ago, our family added a new fireplace to our backyard patio, and it's been awesome. We have a TV out there. It's perfect. And the service that we received from Fireside Home Solutions, absolutely unparalleled. Here's owner John Waterstretch. J-Dub, welcome back. Your team was incredible. Thanks, Mitch, and I really appreciate the kind words on that, and I think you hit it on the head. It's team. It's not just about me and uh, our relationship, but our team does a great job. I know you've met uh, certain people from our team, from the people that walk the job with you, and then our installers, so it does take a team to get everything done for you. They were out here, John, I think four times. They looked at the space. They came up with options, installation, finalizing, teaching all of our family members how to use the system. And this was not because of your and my relationship, right? This is what you guys do. You're, you're right on You're right on it. There's a reason why we do those trips. One is to first kind of take that initial measurement of kind of what you want, how you want it. You wanted the TV out there. You wanted some heat. And we talk a little bit about once we get dialed in with what kind of product we want, then we're going to make sure our installation team comes out there, helps you lay it out, get some final measurements. Then we have our installers come out there. And then that final touch up is what you were talking about showing you guys how everything works. We want to make sure your new product, uh, you know how that works. And if you have any questions, we'll be there to help you. What are the turnaround times these days, John? Ours was very quick. Yep. And we talk a lot about that on other shows. It's really important to tell us about your time frame. work with your salesperson. If you want something quick, we can get that out quick with stock product. And if uh, it's something that you really want and it's uh, a specialty order product, you might be waiting six to eight months. I, I think the best method having been through it, John, is to have your team out for a look first and then visit one of your showrooms and get a look-see and go from there. Is that it? That's it. Uh, I think uh, we are here for you. So however your, your planning works, but it's all about planning. So we want to help plan this space, whether it's outdoor, indoor, or a garage door. Mm -hmm. We're here to help you, and getting that patience and planning is the most important part. And don't let the name fool you, Fireside Home Solutions. They do garage doors as well as anybody. Football season is fireplace season. And listen, if you enjoy Mitch Unfiltered and this podcast, begin your search with a really important partner that makes Mitch Unfiltered possible. 
Fireside Home Solutions, FiresideHomeSolutions.com. Unfiltered. The conversation is about the toughest guy in the room, not just the locker room. Olin Krutz is being talked about. If it's about the best football player ever to come out of the state of Hawaii, Olin Krutz is in the discussion. And if it's a round table about who may be the first pro football Hall of Famer from the 808, Olin Krutz is in the center of that debate. Our next guest on this episode 169, Mitch Unfiltered, you might remember as the All-American Center at the University of Washington in the late 90s. He went on to a stellar 14-season career in the National Football League with the Chicago Bears. He was the all-decade center in the NFL for the 2000s, a Pro Bowl. How many times? Six, seven, eight, ten, twelve? How many times? <laughs> How many six times? Pro Bowls. Six, I had Pro six Pro Bowls, yep. And now, believe it or not, and this is my favorite part mm-hmm. of the story. There's a lot of good stories with Olin Krutz, but one of my favorite parts of the story is he's now one of us. He's a mm-hmm. TV and radio and podcast guy, and I got to tell you, no disrespect, Olin, because the last mm-hmm. thing I want to do is piss you off, but I, <laughs> but I, but I never knew you as a guy mm-hmm. who would end up as a radio TV guy. How did this happen? Yeah, so... Um, I don't know if you know the name Doug Buffon, and you're right because I didn't do a lot of interviews when I played. Uh, really didn't, they really didn't have much time for the media when I when I played. I think <laughs> anybody who covered me uh, remembers that. Just wanted to play football and hit people. But um, Doug Buffon, who actually kind of started the post game show for the Score in Chicago, he's a legendary linebacker in Chicago. Um, really big name there. Does, did a great job on the post game show for years. He suddenly passed away. And um, Mitch Rosen, who ran CBS Radio, asked if he could meet with me if I would do the postgame show and take Doug Buffon's place. And I asked him, I said, Rich, I said, I said, now, Mitch, I got to ask you, man, how'd you come to me? Because, you know, I don't do any of this stuff. And he said, Olin, we're in the opinion business and everybody knows you got him. So, so and that I couldn't argue with, right? That I, I couldn't argue with the fact that I do have a lot of opinions and actually, uh, it saved my wife and my kids because instead of yelling on the couch all Sunday, now I just do it on TV and radio. But I've grown to love it, man. I've grown to love analyzing, staying in the game. I have six kids, so coaching is kind of a hard thing for me to do. But um, I enjoy analyzing the Chicago Bears and just kind of giving my opinion on, on what's going on. What's the deal with you offensive linemen? All these mm-hmm. years, Walter never wanted to talk to me. But then he, he retired and became a Hall of Famer, and now he's got TV shows. and re- What is it with you, offensive linemen? you got, you got to lighten up, Olin. you got to lighten up. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Why we play, we're, we're just kind of like – they call us the mushroom society, right? We grow <laughs> while everybody shits on us in the dark. So uh, we kind of stay that way. We like it that way. Uh, Walter Jones, obviously, probably the best, one of the best left tackles in history. But um, we study the game. We analyze it really well and can give a great perspective on what's going on. And, and obviously, offensive line play, a lot of people don't understand what's going on there. So it just kind of it kind of lends itself to explain that part of the game. I think people are becoming more and more interested in that part of the game. Right. And we all know, Olin, that the smart guy on the offensive line is always the center because he's got to call <laughs> out all the adjustments. He's got It's got to be very cerebral, right? 
which makes mm-hmm. Olin Krutz a perfect center because you're such a smart guy, right? <laughs> I, I don't know about that. The funny thing is when I got to Washington, I don't know if you remember the name, Steve Morton was our offensive line coach. Yeah. And, of course, they tell you what you want to hear when they're recruiting you. So I told them I never want to play center ever, right? Because right? I just played hated guard. snapping the ball. You, you played guard yeah, at the I'll, beginning. Yeah. Played yeah. guard. Yeah. yeah. So I hated snapping the ball. Well, I got suspended uh, for the trouble I got into at, at Washington with Suki Wiggs and the fight and, and stuff like that. But um, when I came back, they told me they were moving me to center. And I was worried about that because I did. First of all, I didn't want to do that. And they had Lane Johnson, who was a very good center already, an older guy. And I told Steve Morton, I said, look, I, I told you I'll never play center. And he said, Olin, if you play center, you'll play 10 years in the NFL. And I said, I'll, I'll give it a shot. That I'll give a shot. You know, that, that's how I actually moved uh, to center. And then that part of the game, uh, like you're talking about, became fun for me. The chess match. Yeah. Uh, trying to figure out what the defense is doing, making calls, seeing where blitzes are coming from. Uh, that became a lot of fun for me to, to figure out. Yeah. I'm going to go back to your Washington days. There's a lot of fun stories and there's some tough stories. And I hope that you'll, mm-hmm. you'll humor me with all of them because I think our audience will get uh, a lot out of your story because your journey is a great one. But before I do that, I got so much for you. Uh, semi-finalists for the Hall of Fame the first time or the, the, the last time around. Do, are we going to get in? Are we going to get in? I don't, I don't know. Get in? I, think I'm, I think I'm a long shot. I think I'm a long shot uh, to get in the Hall of Fame, to be honest. Um, and I don't like arguing. I think if you belong in the Hall of Fame, someone else would probably say it. You know, I just kind of, I really have no complaints about the career I had. I enjoyed the hell out of playing football. Football has given me uh, more than I could ever imagine, right? So um, I hope so one day. I think more for my family. I think my family would love to go to the ceremony and be a part of something like that. Um, but, but as far as I'm concerned, uh, me getting in, I know all decade guys get in. The other all decade center, Kevin Mawai is in. Actually, uh, the 2000 all decade team, the whole offense line is but me. So uh-huh. I mean, uh-huh. maybe it's personal against me. <laughs> so <laughs> no. we'll see. Man. No. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I can only say I hope so. You're the son of a longshoreman and a, mm-hmm. a, and, and a teacher from the famed St. Louis High School in Hawaii. High school wrestler, track, football. You know, I've always had a feeling. I, I'd love to hear your response to this. I've always had a feeling that football and hoop skies from Hawaii kind of got shafted when it came to like star ratings and recruiting services. They never were as highly thought of as some of the guys on the mainland. Was that the case when you played? Is that the case now? Or am I, am I dreaming that up? No, in the nineties, I think you might've had a case. I think now it's changed. I think schools have realized that these Hawaii kids can play football and they'll go get them now. But uh, when I, when I was coming out, I think, me and Chris Fulmatumafala, I don't know if you remember that name. Sure, he played at sure, Utah. Sure. He was my teammate at um, at St. Louis. I think it was like one of the first time Nebraska came to the island to offer uh, kids from Hawaii. It was They offered me and him. Uh, obviously, we both didn't go there, but Dominic Raiola ended up going there uh, out of St. Louis High School. So I think that's changed. I think you're probably right in the beginning. I think a lot of times, um, you know, DeForest Buckner now, they come, it, like these kids come out and there's kids – all over the nation now out of Hawaii. And it's just so much easier to see kids uh, with the internet and video and all that kind of stuff. But like you're saying, it was like that kind of in the mid nineties, Max Unger, right? A center. Max Unger. Very, yeah. Very yeah. good football player too from the big Island. Yeah. So why Washington? Can you remember that far back? Why Jim Lambright? Why watch if you hadn't gone to Washington, where would you have gone? And why did you choose Montlake? Okay. So I wanted to go to university of Colorado. And when I was on my trip, um, you know, I, Chris Naole was another guard, uh, another guy from Hawaii. 
uh, Viliami Mamao. So, you know, Hawaii guys, we all kind of, always kind of want to go to where there's a lot of Hawaiian or people who are from Hawaii. Okay. I did. Um, um, so I, when I got to Colorado, uh, McCartney, I think McCartney was the head coach's Bill, name at the Bill, time. Bill. Yeah. He, yeah. Bill. He retired the day I was on my recruiting trip. Oh. Okay. And they gave the job to Rick Neuheisel. Oh. So the online coach who was recruiting me uh, was the assistant head coach. And I think he wanted to get the job. So I sat in his office and he said, I really don't care if you come here or not. I'm not going to be here. Rick Neuheisel just got the job. I met Rick Neuheisel. Uh, you know, I didn't, I wasn't just, he wasn't my kind of guy, right? He was uh-huh. screaming and, and yelling and uh, he, he yelled at me, here comes Ralphie or Buffalo. And uh, that just kind of, I'm not saying Rick Neuheisel is a bad guy. I just at that time, an 18 year old Olin Cruz, I just wasn't into that. So uh, kind of wanted to stay home, honestly, back in Hawaii. Love Jim Lambright, though. Went on my recruiting trip to Washington, realized there's like 600 Hawaii students there. And Ikaika Malloy was there, and Ink Aliaga was there, and Patrick Kessie, and Petro Kessie. And they had a big group of Hawaii people. So that's really what, after I decided I didn't want to go to Colorado, that's what drew me to Washington. I had Arizona, um, you know, I had uh, Nebraska, and I had University of Hawaii. Now, Rick Neuheisel is a regular guest on mm-hmm. Mitch Unfiltered, a weekly guest. I want to know, do I have your permission to play that soundbite for him? Can I? Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> I'd like to see if he remembers it. I'd like to see if he remembered that. You know? uh-huh. and, I'm sure, and, and, and I'm sure Coach, well, you know, I'm sure he'll, I'm sure he'll not remember. He's probably recruiting all kinds of kids at that time. No, I bet uh, you. But I'm sure. He'll remember you. I'm sure, he, I'm sure, he'll, I'm sure he'll understand. You know, just, just sometimes some guys uh. just. They rub you the wrong way. Olin, there was a tough moment in a lot of ways that shaped you at Washington. But before I get there, something that almost never gets talked about in the same vein or written about is the expectations of football players, and in particular, offensive and defensive linemen. You know, I'm just a fan and a guy who's watched it for a long time, but the violence of the game. You mm-hmm. guys in the trenches are asked to go out there and really – play on the edge, walk that fine line when it comes to the ferocity of the game. And then you're asked to switch it off when you go onto the sidelines and then switch it back on when you go back onto the field and and get in in, in the trenches. And I would think that that's especially tough for a lot of 18 and 19-year-old call them boys, call them men, to be able to Mm -hmm. flip that switch and know when to – and be able to do it, do both sides, play both sides. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think it's hard for some, you know, like my son is a, uh, he's a center university of Illinois now. Um, and, and he, he has a switch. He can turn it on and off. I can only speak for myself. Um, you know, I grew up at that time. My parents were getting divorced. It wasn't an easy time in my life. Uh, my I grew up in a tough family. A lot of people, you know, fighting and, um, always, Fight, fight every fight, fight everybody you can. Don't let anybody talk to you disrespectfully. Right. Uh, it was kind of something I was taught uh, to be like and don't take, you know, shit off of anybody. And anybody says anything, you, you fight them. So these are things I was taught growing up. And I had to learn. Like you said, I had to learn a lot to learn how to conduct myself. And honestly, uh, that went on for a while, just trying to learn uh, how to turn it on and off. And sometimes I still struggle with it, right? I still struggle with um, uh, getting too mad and, and wanting to use – physical violence to solve everything, but it's hard when that's what you're taught growing up. So I, I know what you're saying. I think some of, some of it is that uh, obviously the football is a violent game and attracts violent men. It's what we do. So uh, I enjoyed that part of the game. Uh, I still enjoy, you know, I'll still go and do jujitsu and boxing and 
I enjoy getting punched in the face and that's just my personality. You know, I just, I kind of like, it's like a meditation for me. You know, I, I need it. I need some kind of physical contact, but now I know I need it and I go get it and get it out of my system. But uh, like you're saying, I'm sure a lot of the kids where they come from uh, the way they were raised that yet for some of them, it has to be, you have to constantly talk to them about, look, man, you just can't do that once you leave the field. Right. And so the incident that you referred to with your teammate, uh, maybe mm-hmm. our listeners remember, maybe they don't remember. It was a tough moment. It was a tough moment in your mm-hmm. life. It was a tough moment for you as a player. It was a growing up process for you, and it was a tough moment for him. I- I'd like mm-hmm. for you to share what you're, what you're willing to share about that incident and what it taught you, and I, and I want to point out to our listeners, as you listen, as you listen to uh, Olin, he had two incidents, one in Chicago and one in Washington, and I bring that up because both guys – both guys have nothing but fantastic words for Olin Krutz in the aftermath of those two incidents. They both love you. They both say you're a wonderful human being and a wonderful guy. And that says something. So to, to the best of your ability, share with us that moment, what happened and what it taught you. Well, we got to an argument on the field, right? We got to an argument on the field and it carried over into uh, the locker room and obviously a fight broke out. And, and he, you know, they, he ended up with a broken jaw and, and I ended up suspended from the team. And, and it was like, I just told you, it was just a process of when to turn it on, when to turn it off. Obviously always like Suki still, you know, still thinks Suki's a great guy. Um, watching him go through that, that sucked for me. I knew how much he loved football. Uh, watching him have to let, not play the game uh, was, was horrible. But um, I, as far as the incident goes, as far as growing up, as far as learning from it, it was it was a hard time. It was a time when I was away from home. You know, like I said, my parents are going through a divorce. I didn't really want to be. I was homesick. Didn't really want to be in Washington. Uh, my mom, my grandfather, them, they made me stay there. Uh, made me stick it out uh, to learn from that coach Lambright, Steve Morton, uh, my teammates. Uh, they stuck with me and, and they let me stay on the team. You know, if you think about it nowadays, I don't know if they'd keep a kid after hitting somebody anymore, right? So right. Uh, I was lucky. I was lucky, and, and here I am. Uh, like you said, um, you know, I played 14 years. Uh, you know, I have six kids now. I coach little league football. I coach uh, girls basketball. I'm on radio. I'm on TV. Uh, there was a lot of growing up to do, and a lot of people gave me a second chance to get there. We all need second chances, me more than most. What do you say to any member of our audience that might be younger, that listens to Mitch mm-hmm. Unfiltered, that might be their first instinct is to put their hands up mm-hmm. and to go after somebody physical, physically? Do you have any words of wisdom, pearls for somebody? Yeah, you of course, you find another way, man, because you don't really get out of it what you think you're going to get out of it, right? And all you do is cause problems for you and everybody else. So always walk away. It's obviously best for kids. Uh, don't fly off the handle and hit anybody because you don't want to lose uh, what you're working for. And, and like, if you're a Division One football player, uh, you obviously have a lot going for you. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's definitely, definitely not worth it to take a swing at somebody just because somebody pissed you off. Sports Illustrated, I found this interesting, called you in the midst of your career one of the most mm-hmm. 10 feared players in the NFL. And I would think, if I, let's just put myself in your shoes. If I was an offensive lineman, a center for the Chicago Bears, I would think mm-hmm. that that's one of the great compliments that an offensive lineman could ever have. And I read somewhere where you called it a pile of crap. Is that the right quote? <laughs> Do I have the quote right? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure I said something like that uh, when I was asked about it. Because like, like I said, when I played, I could care less. But but as you get older, uh, they're pretty cool things to hear. Okay. Uh, I played the game. I, I, I always thought I played the game with respect. 
I flew around. I, I played it to the echo of the whistle, and obviously rules have changed uh, since I was in the league. A lot of guys played like that, but um, I had a physical style of play, obviously. I, I like I to play that way. I enjoyed that part of the game. Uh, uh, sometimes you're the hammer and sometimes you're the nail uh, in the NFL. You know, uh, in the NFL, I tell guys, if you're winning, you know, 70% of the time, you're probably a pro bowler. Well, the other 30% of the time, you're getting your ass kicked. So uh, the guys in the NFL are really good. Uh, so you're not the only guy delivering it. But um, maybe maybe people were worried about me because they, they realized I enjoy getting – getting beat up too. And they're like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? <laughs> All right, hold on. I got something here that says to me that you once chased our buddy Brock Heward out of a cafeteria at the University of Washington. True or false? Yeah, I've heard that story when Brock said that he called. He said my mom was pretty and I chased him. Uh, uh, you know, I don't remember the story, but Bro- Brock usually doesn't lie, right? Oh, no, hold on, Brock's hold on. A, you, know how, a stand-up you, you, guy. you know how I know that that's either false or embellished? I refuse yeah. to believe that you wouldn't have caught Brock. Hew- I mean, Brock, <laughs> he can't run, no, Brock. Uh, uh, remember, no, uh, I remember saying in the hallway, with Brock Heward when we were all there as rookies uh-huh. at Washington. And he's saying there, I mean, Brock is all of 6'6", six, six, yeah. uh, 240. He was a good athlete, right? Uh, I remember thinking to myself, gosh, this is the quarterback. How the hell am I going to play offensive line in this league? This guy's uh, bigger than I am. So uh, he was a good athlete back then. I probably couldn't have caught him. Uh, 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 I probably eventually could have caught him, but I, I don't know. You know, uh, uh, Brock, Brock's store, I, I'm sure, I, I don't know if it's true or not. Uh, you played more games for the Bears than anyone not named Walter Payton. What a great, great mm-hmm. honor. Lovey Smith, who then recruited your son, he um, he called you one of the greatest, best leaders any team could ever have. Such great compliments for a kid from St. Louis High School in Hawaii. Super Bowl in Miami. Mm-hmm. Peyton Manning gotcha. Or did the rain mm-hmm. get you? Which one? Rain or Peyton, Peyton Manning? No, but I, you know, I, you know, not, when I now that I've studied the game, obviously from the outside looking in, yeah, uh, we went in there against a the first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback. So your chances of winning, you know, those guys are usually the ones that walk away with the Super Bowl rings. We had a great defense uh, that year. Uh, we had a great running game, but our two, our All Pro safety and All Pro defensive tackle were out, right? So that really uh, hampered our defense. But Peyton Manning controlled the game from the line of scrimmage. He was checking run and pass versus our defense. It was rainy. We did go up early with the Devin Hester uh, kickoff return for a touchdown. Uh, Devin Hester was electric at that time. Great, but, great. Uh, you know, if you study Super Bowls through the years, the better quarterback usually walks away with the ring. And, you know, that matchup between the quarterbacks, they had the better quarterback. You had Rex Grossman back in those we days. We did. And I will tell who had, you. Who had, who, had a, who had a good year that year. He had, who had a really had, good year that year. He had a great uh, year. I played well. You know, we had a very good football team. I think if Mike Brown and Tommy Harris are healthy in that game, the defensive side, the, Tommy at that time, he had nine sacks in like seven or eight games before he tore his hamstring. Mike Brown, one of the uh, toughest uh, safeties, smartest safeties I ever played with. Would have loved to see him match wits with Peyton Manning in a Super Bowl. Sure. Uh, but we didn't have those two guys. Uh, and that, that hurt the team because obviously we had to win by running the ball and playing defense. I, I want to tell you that you guys were semi-fortunate to get out of the first round that year in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. I I, I happen to remember going to cover that game over time. We had our punter. Our punter kicked one about 18 yards in overtime, and you guys Mm -hmm. went down and got a field goal in overtime, 27-24. And and it it was a great game. 
Mm-hmm. I, I really, I think it would be, I think it would be interesting to our listeners because you're such a great offensive lineman. What that line that the Seahawks had, we've been trying to duplicate mm-hmm. it ever since. They've had they had Tobeck playing center, right? They had Hutch mm-hmm. playing left guard and Walter playing left tackle, and on the other side they had some good players, Locklear on the other side. What do you remember about that offensive line that the Seahawks had under Holmgren back in those days? Well, I, I remember that running game was was really hard to stop, right? And and Hasselback was a very very good quarterback. That was a good football team, man. Lofa Tatupu, a middle linebacker. He was tough to handle. Yeah. Uh, we knew going to that game that that was going to be a tough challenge on grass because they were built, like you're saying, they were built to run the ball and play defense also, right? So uh, I thought they were a tougher matchup for us than actually the Saints who came the next That's week. Right. I remember yeah. I watched film of the Saints and they had played like their last game was on against on grass was against Pittsburgh in like week 13 or 14. And I watched that game. I remember coming up and telling my wife, like, are you ready to go to the Super Bowl? And she was like, New Orleans is good. I said, not on grass. They can't beat us on grass. But I thought Seattle could. I thought Seattle could be, and they almost did. Yeah. Right. Um yeah. Rex Grossman hits Rasheed Davis, I think. Yes. Oh, I think it was like third down or yes. something. It was a it was a big, big time play. throw. Huge throw. Yeah, play. big yeah. play. Yeah, yeah, huge play when it was kind of just like in the a stalemate. Yeah. The two defenses were we're stalemating each other. And, um, uh, but, you know, Alexander, I mean, gosh, that run game. I mean, you know, two Hall of Famers on one side. Like you said, Robbie Tobek, great center. A ton of respect for him. Although he is a wazoo guy, I still respect him. But, <laughs> the, um, you know, but yeah, that was a hell of a football team, man. And we, like you said, we squeaked to the NFC Championship. And then we beat New Orleans pretty good. Pretty good. Right? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I thought, yeah. like, but I just, I'm just saying on grass, styles make fights. That matchup was tougher for us. The Seahawks was. Okay. Two two last ones. I'll let you go. Number one, you got to tell our audience. Maybe you don't like to tell the story, but you got to tell it. You you finished mm-hmm. your career in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And I read how it ended in New Orleans. Who you inadvertently had up against the wall <laughs> in, in New Orleans. Tell, tell that story when you knew, when you looked in the mirror and you go, you know what? I've done a lot. No, well, <laughs> there was a, there was a, uh, the O-line coach there, Aaron Cromer, and uh, we've talked now, but yeah. we just didn't get it. Like, it was that lockout season. I don't remember the lockout season. So I didn't get there to New Orleans until the – I think it was week two of camp, right, because uh, the, the negotiation with the Bears kind of fell through and uh, egos got in the way. My, I'll just talk for myself. My ego got in the way. Yeah. Uh, I shouldn't have let it, but I did. And then I went to New Orleans, uh, signed there, didn't really know the team at all. Uh, and then me and that O-line coach just constantly bumped heads. And Sean Payton gets hurt in that game. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, he got hurt. hurt. Yeah. I, I, playing Tampa Bay. He, someone flew into him. Yeah, yeah. And and um, the coach goes on the stage. Joe Vitt was the assistant head coach at the time. He took over team meetings. And he said, um, our O-line is the uh, – our team starts with our offensive line. The offensive line starts with the center, and we got to get that fixed. So this is like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm surrounded by all these young guys making all this money, but they seem like they want to blame. Anyway, I took that the wrong way. Okay. Went upstairs, talked to the online coach about it. Yeah, uh, he said some things. I said some things. Challenged him to a fight. So maybe I didn't. Maybe I haven't grown up enough. But anyway, uh, Drew Brees. I, I, while I'm screaming at at Aaron yeah. Cromer, somebody grabs from the back. Yeah, and I turn on and shove that guy. It's Drew Brees and Drew Brees against the wall. But, um, I figured that was probably my last day in, in New Orleans. But just, just, uh, just, just really couldn't get along with the online coach. And it didn't make sense for me. I told Sean, I said, Sean, if I come to meetings, 
And this guy says one more thing to me. I don't know <laughs> what I'm going to do to him. So um, I just feel like it was it was my time to step oh. away. They were a good football team, a hell of a football team. They had a, a backup center, Brian Delapointe, who I had a ton of respect for. Um, I thought he could do the job. I thought the team would be fine. And and finally, I ask you about something that happened earlier this year when Aaron Rodgers came to Chicago, mm-hmm. and he uh, scored and he mouthed something to the fans. I own, I still own mm-hmm. you in Chicago, or some. He he rubbed it yeah. in. Aaron Rodgers rubbed it yeah. in, and uh, I heard through the grapevine that radio and TV personality Olin Krutz wasn't particularly fond of the things that Aaron Rodgers said on that day in Chicago. (laughs) Well, it it was uh, kind of, so he said, I own you mother effers and I've always owned you mother effers, right? Which is part, you know, it's part of the game and whatever, whatever. But I was asked on radio, uh, if I played, how would I have felt about it? And I said, I would have felt like punched him in the face, right? So that kind of, obviously, they take that that snippet Flip, yeah, of I want to punch and they just run away, which is fine. That's what which we fine. do. It's great. It's, it's great radio. It's great TV. So yeah. on purpose, I did it corrected for a long time, right? I just said, yeah, whatever. I uh, I wanted to punch Aaron Rodgers mentioned it on the uh, punter who wears tank tops, his his uh, his podcast. Maca- uh, McAfee. McAfee, Maca- yeah. McAfee, yeah. yeah so yeah. That, uh, uh, <laughs> so his podcast, he got, men- <laughs> got mentioned on, right? So, uh, but, you know, uh, I, I just, my argument was, and some of the Bears came out, Coach Nagy and uh, Coco said, well, he's, he is kind of right. He wins a lot. And I said, uh, uh, just because someone is right doesn't mean they scream that at you. Uh-huh. I mean, the Chicago Bears, now you got to understand, yeah. uh, this is home of George Hallis. George Hallis started the NFL. Sure right? did. Yeah. Uh, the, the family still owns the team. If somebody's yelling, I own you, mother efforts, I mean, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I thought to myself, I, I'd feel like the question was asked, what you would feel like if you were on the field. Well, first of all, if I was on the field, I would have felt like punching everybody in the face. Anyway. So that's how I played the game. But I would, I would, I would have felt like that definitely towards Aaron Rodgers. Oh gosh, what a great twenty minutes with all the kids. And I gotta say, I'm mm-hmm. thinking back as we finish to all the great moments in the last twenty minutes that you've just given our audience. And I think the most underrated one was you called him the punter that wears the tank tops. I, I, <laughs> I love that. The punter who wears the tank top. After listening to you tell all these great stories and the personality and the, uh, how articulate you are, I'm, I'm sad that you never let us get to know you when you were a player. Boy, we wasted 15 years. We didn't get a You didn't let us in. You didn't let the guard, your guard down. And now you are, thank oh, goodness, man. for all of your, your no, fans. Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah. Look, I just, I just wanted to play ball, man. Ball, I just didn't have no, no need for it. But um, it, like you're saying, a lot of people, I hear that a lot. Like, I, this is the last thing I thought you'd be doing. Would you, if you were doing it all over again or advising your son, let's say your son, I don't, what year is he? At oh, no, I tell them. I tell he's a freshman. He's a true freshman there, right? right? And I, I tell them, make sure you get involved. Make sure you talk. Yeah. Make sure you, make sure you like, you just, you know, just take advantage of every opportunity you have. So you would do it differently. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I'd, I'd probably try to learn the business a little more, you know, go through, uh, start doing it a little earlier. So like, you know, Greg Olson, um, sure. My former teammate in Chicago, he called games while he played. Sure. So I think if you take advantage of opportunities, you can set yourself up. And I kind of fell into this, but um, maybe there'd be more opportunities if I, if I would have kept learning. And no, doing it. There, forget that. There's going to be more opportunities. You have a <laughs> you have a great art, a great gift to gab, and I could see a lot of a lot of different doors opening for you in the future. Let, let me let me finish there. If if you could choose, what would you like to be doing in ten years? Uh, you know. With, with with my family and kids, I don't know. I, I just kind of 
I'm just kind of like this. What I do, Mitch, is I, I just I try to be the best at everything I do. Right. I just try to really learn the business, learn from guys like you. I watch a lot. I study the game and, and, I, and then you try to like entertain while you're teaching people how, about the game and, and the knowledge that I've learned. Obviously, football is my craft. Football is a game. Football is I love football. I, I see it, Like I told you earlier, it's giving me everything I got. So I try to give back to it. I own a gym. I own a private gym in in uh, Chicago where I train players now and I train a lot of high school kids and I just try to get, I just constantly try to give back to the game. So I guess I answered your question by saying, yeah, I'll just keep giving yeah. back to football and whatever it gives to me. I'll take ah, you're giving us a lot. You're giving us a lot. I wish you, I know you've had recently a death in your family. My, my condolences, my heartfelt sympathy for that. I wish you and all your family, just a terrific holiday season. Olin, what a great pleasure. What a great privilege to have you on the show. Maybe you'll come back again. Will you do it again? For sure, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's time to catch up with Katie Versio, senior financial planner, Evergreen Golf Call, just in time to probably make me look silly for the holidays. Hi, Katie. Hi, Mitch. Thanks for having me. Here we go. I'm ready for my holiday version of the trivia contest. We're going to get three questions, and I'm going to go three for three. What's the theme this time around? The theme today is a year-end market recap. So we're going to talk about what happened in the market from January through the end of November. Got it. All right. I'm ready for question number one. All right. So what was the biggest market pullback? So from when the market peaked to trough that we had in 2021? Was it down 2%, 5%, 10%, or 14%? Hmm. I'll say either 5 or 10. I'll go 10%, Katie. Sorry, it was only down 5% back in yep. September. There was just a small pullback. So this year, there hasn't been too much volatility. In December, we've actually seen about the same level of volatility just in the first few trading days. But the first 11 months were pretty smooth. Okay. I'm 0 for 1, which brings us to question number two. How much was the stock market or the S&P 500 up for the entire year? So from January through the end of November. Was it up 10%, Big. Big. Yeah. 17%, yeah. 22%, or 29%? Gosh, I don't think it was up 29%, but it was up big. I'll, I'll go I'll go 17 as opposed to 22. It was actually up 22% through the first 11 months of the year. It's down a little bit now. Like I mentioned, we've had a little more volatility, but it's, but it's been a good year. Uh. Which brings us to question number three and my last chance to at least go one for three and bat 333, which is good in baseball, but not good for Evergreen Golf Call Trivia. Go ahead, Katie. All right. How much has the price of oil increased from January through November? Oh, no. <clears throat> is it up 20%, 32%, 37%, or 41%? I, have, I don't watch oil. I have no idea. It's got to be one of the middle two because it always is. So I'll go 30. What were the middle two? 32 and 30, 37? I'll that's go, right. I'll go 37. Well, I tricked you with that one. Oh, uh, no. It's <laughs> actually up 41%. So the price of oil uh, of a barrel has gone from $48 at the end of 2020 to $68 at the end of November. <sighs> Another 0 for 3. Another collar, as they like to call it 
for Mitchie the Kid on Evergreen Golf Call Trivia. But that doesn't mean I don't love Katie and I don't love our partnership with Evergreen Golf Call. We do. They've been there since the beginning. Evergreen Golf Call is everything wealth. Unfiltered. First and goal with 18 seconds before halftime. And he's got him for a touchdown, Eskridge. First NFL touchdown reception. Russ gets the snap. No timeouts to stop. This is over, and Seattle has beaten San Francisco. Marvelous job of uh, just hanging and, and staying together and keeping it going when we had a chance to win. And, uh, I mean, there was, it just it was one end to the other as far as extremes of, of play. Seahawks no table time. Hey, we've got a victory to talk about. It's a relief. Seahawks no table brought to you by Taco Time. TacoTimeNW.com. TacoTimeNW.com slash careers. $5,000 signing bonuses for certain positions. They want you at Taco Time. Brady Henderson, ESPN, ESPN.com. And Joe Fan in Vegas, Joey Vegas. Let's start with you, Joe. Why did the Seahawks beat the 49ers? on Sunday and you can't say because they own Kyle Shanahan you got to give us football related reasons why they won the game 30 to 23 they forced turnovers and scored touchdowns and I think that is obviously an oversimplification but the offense woke up and and for the really most of the first half until um, the last six minutes of the second quarter when they had a couple of touchdown drives uh, one being capped by the Adrian Peterson touchdown run which is bizarre to say (laughs) and then uh, the D. Eskridge getting his first touchdown as a member of the Seahawks. I think it wasn't crazy, gaudy numbers, but at least it was something. And Russell Wilson, I think outside of missing DK Metcalf on what could have been a long touchdown, um, I think he played pretty darn well. And his numbers could have been a lot better had Gerald Everett not fumbled once. Well, he fumbled twice, but the one fumble, I guess both fumbles, but one that was... Uh, at the end of the game, on the goal line, and then two, dropping that pass that you know turned into his low interception of the game. So um, it was nice to see Russ look like Russ again, and I guess you could just point to the finger being at the window where you know the the edge of the window where it was kind of expected that he could be back at 100, percent and he certainly looked more like it. The sacks, especially on third down, are still frustrating, but all things considered. Uh, you intercept Jimmy Garoppolo twice. Carlos Dunlap had a couple of huge plays. Um, he gets the the safety and then then tips the pass at the end of the game on that fourth down play in the red zone uh, or right inside the five yard line. Um, yeah, a chaotic game as it often is between these two teams. But but nice to see the Seahawks win a gutty game and show some life. Yeah, and they also won I think because they finished and that's something that for a large part of this season and a lot of those losses. They didn't do it as bad as this season has been, you know, three and eight going into this game. You know, they were in most of those losses. I mean, maybe not the, the Vikings one is one exception. Um, you know, the Green Bay pulled away at the end, but they were in that game for the most part. And in most of those losses, it just came down to finishing. And, and again, as bad as this team has looked, you know, they've been close. They didn't finish. They did. They did in this game, and they almost didn't. I mean, they had a chance to put that game away to go up two scores 
you know, late in the fourth quarter, and then Gerald Everett, who just had a, a nightmare of a game, uh, lost his second fumble to go along with the you know the would-be touchdown that he bobbled that turned into an interception, and then they almost let San Francisco go 98 yards before Carlos Dunlap uh, made a, another key play in that game to go along with his sack. You know that pass breakup. Yeah, I don't even know. I'm curious to see what the snap counts look like because I don't think Dunlap played a whole lot in this game, I, and this was after you know getting only four snaps. Um, last week in Washington, you know, his role has very severely been diminished, and, and he was kind of open about that after the game, about how he's had to kind of accept, uh, even though he doesn't really want to, he's kind of had to accept this new role as they try to get other players in there. Uh, he certainly, whatever snaps he played, he made the most of them, and, and he helped them finish, which is something they have not done all that well this year. Is I said to Scott in our first segment here on episode 169, Brady, that if you pushed a, push me against a wall, and you asked me who the best Seahawks offensive player has been the last six weeks, and I had to pick one. Offensive lineman, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. I would have said Gerald Everett's been the best offensive player for the Seahawks in the last month and a half. And therefore, I tend to give him a pass, although this was such a chaotic, nightmarish performance, individual performance. I hope it doesn't linger with him for the rest of the year and the rest of the rest of his career do we give him a pass did the Seahawks give him a pass yeah I mean you know whatever that I mean I'm sure players would you know Russell Wilson defended him and talked about how um, you know he's been so great uh, for most of this season and, and Carlos Dunlap had some words of encouragement sort of offered them up volunteered them up afterwards so I'm sure winning that game uh, you know helps them kind of get over that I'm sure it'll help uh you know, Gerald Everett, get over it. But this, I just cannot remember the last time a single player, a non-quarterback, was solely responsible for, for three turnovers. I know the interception goes on Wilson's ledger, but, I mean, that's a would-be touchdown that he bobbles at the goal line, and it ends up in the hands of a 49ers player uh, to go along with the two lost fumbles. And, and ESPN had a stat that uh, the Seahawks are the first team in the last 20 seasons to win a game despite turning the ball over twice either at or inside the opponent's five-yard line. And that was, you know, the case on uh, Everett's bobble that turned into a pick and then on one of his two fumbles. So uh, just a forgettable, forgettable game for him. Pete Carroll called it a heartbreaking day for him, but winning that game obviously helps. Yeah. Sorry, I forgot to put – I forgot to – Wiggle my fingers. And, and, that, oh. and that's why we talked over each other because you didn't wiggle yeah. your you fingers. Wiggle fingers. You got to wiggle the yeah, fingers. Yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes, you know, it's we go back and forth and it's like, oh, it's good conversation because, yeah. you know, yeah. they'll just kind of dive right in. That's what I want. I don't know. Did he talk to media after the game? Not that I'm aware of, no. They did not bring him to the podium, and uh, okay. I, I don't know if he had walked by at any point and if he would have been available had we tried to see him and stop him, but uh, he did not speak afterwards. Got it. Jamal Adams, injury and other injuries. Brady, you want to? Catch us up to date. Yeah, we don't know a whole lot based on what Pete Carroll said. He, he just called it a sprain uh, for Jamal Adams' shoulder and said it was the same shoulder uh, that he had surgically repaired uh, this past offseason. Remember, he dealt with injuries to both shoulders last year and, and had one of them surgically repaired this offseason. There was a, a sprained ankle for Kyle Fuller. I think Brian Monet hurt his knee. And then the other one. Brandon right Shell. Brandon Shell, yeah, he hurt his shoulder, and uh, kind of sounds like the same shoulder that he's been injury that he's been dealing with. And uh, again, don't Pete Carroll didn't have the severity on any of those, but I'll tell you this: I saw Adams. Uh, obviously, he didn't return to the game, so you know it's obviously it was serious enough. But I, I saw him walk back onto the sideline wearing street clothes. He gave his position coach Andre Curtis a big hug. Um, I know when he suffered the injury, I was watching him through my binoculars on the sideline. He looked very upset. Um, so. 
We don't know, mm. but all we know is is mm. sort of the visuals, and, and the visuals, they did not look good. Joe, has there ever been a two-catch day that seemed like 12 catches, 247 yards, and five touchdowns? D. Eskridge. I feel like D. Eskridge caught 12 balls on Sunday. It was so refreshing to see him out there making a play or two and getting into the end zone. How about that? Well, he caught three, so oh, come on. Three. This guy's right, doing okay. work. You, okay. you can't take away a third of his receptions. <laughs> Sorry. It's disrespectful. Sorry. It was. It was good for him. And, and catching the touchdown was, uh, again, a nice moment for him. It comes in a win, so he gets to keep that football and feel good about being part of, um, I don't know if you can call it a crucial win, but anytime you can beat a division rival, especially one that had been surging um, in the Niners, and now you sweep the season series against them, that always feels good. Um, and so... Yeah, I don't think it was anything that you watch and say, there he is. There is there's exactly what they were going to get as in, in the second round pick, you know, and then they don't they don't need Creed Humphrey, the center for the Chiefs, who's been one of the best in football. But I think it's OK just to say and for it all to be is just good for him. It was nice to see him involved, get some touches, stay healthy uh, and ultimately score a touchdown. Joe, in the back of the end zone, second to last play of the game offensively for the 49ers, Sidney Jones gets tangled up with the receiver. I say that's holding nine out of 10 times or pass interference or whatever you want to call it. Did the Seahawks get away with one right there? If they did, then the Niners got away from one a couple years ago in the, the de facto NFC West championship game in 2019 when Jacob Hollister was held on uh, the second to last play of that game. Honestly, pretty similar. Both receivers initiated some contact could have been called less has been called before I think there's obviously you know it's fair frustration if you feel like the referees pick and choose when they're going to let the boys play ultimately I don't know I don't really have an issue with it in that moment I think both guys are going back and forth had it been called it's warranted I get it but it is sort of poetic with Niners fans saying oh we got job by the officials on this play when it really was almost a mere image of what transpired a few years ago in a game that ultimately ended up being the reason why mm -hmm. the Niners not only won the division, but, but potentially went to the Super Bowl because they got the bye and home field advantage because of winning that game. Brady, you're shaking your head when I describe the play. What were you shaking your head about? I was nodding my head because I too thought that that was, I was waiting for officials to throw the flag. I, I saw Sidney Jones. I was again looking through my binoculars, so I had a, a pretty good look at it and I thought that he was going to get flagged there. I mean, that's, I'm sure one the Seahawks will take after you know they had some of those kind of borderline calls go against them. There was the um, you know, the Kevin King interception uh, against Green Bay and then the Sidney Jones interception that was wiped out when officials ruled that the ball touched the ground. So um, I'm sure they'll, they're glad to be on, on the right side of one of those calls this time. Before I go to the Taco Time players of the game, who was doing work for the Seattle Seahawks, I want to get your guys' thoughts on a report. I don't even know what day, and you got to be very careful with social media, what's true, what's not true, what's uh, fair reporting and not. I want your guys' reaction to the story that I saw on Saturday or Friday about Jody Allen. Somebody, maybe the NFL Network, a reporter for the NFL Network, said that Jody Allen is very much involved, is very distraught, very upset about the way the Seahawks season's going, and um, is not considering this a one-year thing. I don't know. Jody and Paul Allen weren't the types to be quoted by the NFL Network Let's start with you, Joe. You believe it? Do you not believe it? You throw it away? You tend to throw it away? Delete? What do you think? I don't make much of it. Jody Allen has had a busy week uh, firing Blazers GM Neil Olshay 
after a, an embattled couple of seasons with with him. I don't know. I'm sure she's not pumped. It'd be hard to be pumped watching this team this season, but until we hear anything from her and have any sort of idea of just how involved she is, I don't know. I don't I don't make much of it. I think everything that we have talked about on this podcast uh, on Unfiltered Mitch here uh, a couple times a week on the note table. Uh, not able. I think it's called the, the not able. The Seahawks yeah. not able. Yeah. What does that ultimately mean? Like, what when you boil it down, what does that report say? She's not happy, and but she's also not going to take it as a one-year thing. I mean, Brady laid out the reasons why firing Pete Carroll would be not just unlikely, but also expensive, given he just signed a new five-year deal. I don't know. I don't make a ton of it. Maybe Brady disagrees, but I just, to me, it's whatever. Well, I, I don't make a ton of it because I don't even know what the report was stating. And, yeah. you know, it was kind of clunk. It was the, the wording was clunky and there was like a follow up tweet to try to explain what it meant. And it still wasn't really clear to me what the overall point was. And I, I really don't like to, um, you know, publicly take guesses at what reporters' sources are. But as you said, Mitch, I mean, Jody Allen has not spoken a word, you know, in public. So I doubt that this was whatever was being portrayed in that report was second, at least, you know, second, third hand information. So I'm just going to say I don't really make much of it. And I, in part because I don't really know what it was about. Is it my imagination, guys, that the Seattle Seahawks, maybe it's because I only watch the Seahawks, I, but I watch all these other games too. The Seattle Seahawks and Pete Carroll take more timeouts with his offense disorganized or his defense disorganized before the snap of the ball. Are, are you going to tell me this is happening all around the league just as much as it happens to Seattle? It seems like every single week, we'll start with you, Brady, every single week, offense and defense, they feel like they've got to take a timeout before the play is snapped, at least one or two every single week am i wrong about that anecdotally you're not wrong no it does seem like that and, and i would be curious if our great stats department at espn could could do some research on that and come up with some note on like how infrequently or frequently teams you know end up in like the final two minutes of a half with all three of their timeouts or at least two of their timeouts because it just seems like the seahawks as you said uh they burn a lot of them you know they they came out of uh a i believe it was a timeout in this game and they delay ended up taking a delay of game penalty. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, and, and, you know, it ended up working out okay for him because I think uh, Russell Wilson hit DK Metcalf um, yes. for uh, that big gain down the sideline on third and 14, which would have been third and nine. And he had a funny line afterwards about how they, they just wanted to, um, you know, make it a, give him a little more space to hit the deep shot, you know, kind of like teams do when they want to give their punter more room. So they intentionally take delay a game. Uh, it was just sloppy and um you know look you can go back to the washington game i believe you can correct me if i'm wrong here but they they didn't have they didn't have a timeout uh when they lined up for that onside kick and so you know i'm sure that there were coaches on the sideline saying hey nick belor is misaligned call timeout to to get that figured out uh but i don't think they had a timeout there so it's it's just there there's a lot of times where they could use these timeouts but they don't have them because they waste them earlier in the half joe at the end of the game, when the 49ers have the ball inside of the Seahawks, what, 10-yard line, and there's like a minute and 45 seconds to go, and they're trying to go in for the game-tying score, that's when, if you've got three timeouts, like you should have if you're the Seahawks coach, Pete Carroll, you start taking timeouts there so that if the 49ers get in and if they kick the extra point or even go for two, you've saved some time 
for Russell Wilson to go down the field and get a field goal to win the ball game. But but the Seahawks never are never have the luxury of having those timeouts because they're they're burning them the whole the whole day. Yeah, I don't have much to add to that. You, you make a great point, and when you know that based on where the opponent is on the field, that time is not going to be an issue for them, then yes, time yes. becomes an issue for, for you. you. Yes. And well you stated. need to put yourself in the best well stated. possible scenario to give yourself a chance to win in regulation. So this is nothing new. We've seen this movie for years. The, the Seahawks have long been a team that, that wastes timeouts, a team that has long been one of the worst clock management teams in football. Although I will say, maybe not just strictly with timeouts, but uh, they're all, I mean, it's shocking how many teams screw up the clock in two-minute situations on a weekly basis. It's sort of baffling. I remember my first year covering the Seahawks, 2019, the Bucks game that went to overtime. Crazy game, shootout. Uh, that was when... Uh, that was the year where, if I'm not mistaken, you could challenge uh, pass interference penalties. And Pete Carroll essentially threw a flag trying to get an offensive pass interference penalty unsuccessfully. And after the game, he said he was basically, he knew it wasn't going to get overturned. He was just trying to prove a point. And I asked the follow-up question. I said, is, is losing a crucial timeout worthy of proving a point late in the game that you need that timeout. And he said, with a smile, you know, that classic Pete Carroll smile is, well, didn't end up needing it. And it's like, okay, you're right, I guess. He won the game. But, yeah, he's been he's been cavalier about misusing time timeouts for many years and probably won't ever change. And the whole clock mismanagement thing and having to waste those timeouts is extra, I think, baffling because – you know, this is a 10th year quarterback. It's a veteran head coach. Um, you know, they've had some injuries, but it's not like they're, you know, having new guys every week at different spots. It's, it's just hard to fathom how it can continually be an issue. And um, it's just it's never been a strength of Pete Carroll's. Now, it, to his credit, he, he correctly, you know, threw the challenge flag in one game on, on Sunday. It was the. Um, I think it was the play where DJ Reed knocked the ball out of a defender and forced an incompletion. It was initially right. ruled a catch on the field, and, and Carroll saw that. And uh, that was, by the way, DJ Reed's second back-to-back play. So I think we should note how he he had a nice little sequence there. But Carroll got that one right. But that's just by and large not been the clock management, the challenges, just has not been a strength of his or the Seahawks. All right, who's doing work? Brady, you get the first shot. You get the pick of the litter. Taco Time presents who's doing work for the Seahawks in their 30-23 to victory over the 49ers. You know, I already mentioned him, but I'm going to go again with Carlos Dunlap just because think of how easily this game we could be talking about a loss for the Seahawks and a new rock bottom about how they allowed a team to go 98 yards after fumbling away what would have been a two-score lead at the goal line. Then they allow a team to drive all the length of the field to, to, to catch the, the tying score, and then who knows what happened. Carlos Dunlap basically sealed that win for them, and he also had that huge play uh, earlier in the game when he got when he dropped Jimmy G in the end zone for a sack. So, again, a guy making the most of uh, what is now limited opportunities for him, and, and we'll see what happens with him the rest of the season. We'll see what happens with him this offseason, but he was doing work in this game on Sunday. Joe, I want to make one quick point because we didn't talk about it, and I do think I think it's it's sort of relevant and even if it's just a funny haha way we've talked a lot about how conservative Pete Carroll is on fourth downs and choosing to go for it on fourth and one inside the 10 yard line and set up first and goal very uncharacteristic of him to be so bold 
especially when the field goal makes it a two-score game at that point, and it's going to take a touchdown, an onside kick, and a field goal in whatever order you want to put them together in. And so it's it's just funny to me. It's almost poetic. Like, of course, this is how it had to go. Is And I'm not saying it was a bad choice. I, I like anytime you're aggressive and, and trying to get touchdowns. But this is a case where even the most aggressive of decision makers, even the, the ones on Twitter like myself, would have been totally understanding of kicking the field goal there and making it a two-score game. And I don't think he would have gotten a bad time for, for kicking it there at all. He goes for it. And then it's not his fault that Gerald Everett fumbled, but, you know, he takes a ton of, you know, heat the other side for not just taking the three points. I don't know. I thought that was sort of interesting. And now it's like, man, maybe Pete Carroll will never go for it on fourth down ever again because of this. Who was doing work? Uh, Give some love to Bobby Wagner, who had nine tackles and a pick. Uh, Leading the NFL in tackles is Bobby Wagner. Uh, And Quandre Diggs, who got another pick. I mean, this dude gets gets his hands on the football seemingly once every other week. And you look at Jamal Adams' interception a week ago, or maybe a couple weeks ago, it was Quandre Diggs' hit who who jarred the ball. It was. It was against Washington last week and resulting in Jamal Adams getting an interception. So, you you know, I think he's a guy who he's going to want his money here soon. Uh, He wanted it before the season. They gave him a small concession, but he might be getting expensive real quick. And I'm not sure Seattle's going to have the capital or the ability to to pay him and keep that safety duo there. But I I don't think there's a question. He is the Seahawks' most valuable safety, and he's the one that's not making $17 a year. Who's your pick? Both, Quandre Diggs and Bobby Wagner. You get you get one. Okay, well I'll take Bobby Diggs. <laughs> okay, Bobby Diggs was doing work. Brady, you wanted to jump in before I give you mine. I'm going off. The yeah, board. I was just going to make a, a, a follow up on Joe's point about Diggs. I mean, remember the Seahawks did not uh, give him the extension that he wanted this past off season, and I always wondered if part of the thinking there was, you know, they want to see what they have in Marquise Blair, their 2019 second round pick. Well, guess what. You know, Marquise Blair has now suffered two season-ending injuries in three seasons, and and uh, Quandre Diggs is again playing at a Pro Bowl level uh, with four interceptions this season, in addition to the play that Joe mentioned against Washington, in addition to a number of other huge plays that he's made. And so, you know, unless unless they're going to, like, blow this team up this offseason, I'm running out of reasons for them to not pay Quandre Diggs. You've left me a, a, a number of guys. Rashad Penny had a pretty good day. Look good for the first time in a long, long time. D. Eskridge caught his first, well, caught three balls and caught his first touchdown pass. We could go him. Taco time doing work. I thought Travis Homer had a good day. Obviously, the punt, uh, the punt fake that went 60-some-odd yards for a touchdown. And then he also, didn't he recover that fumble to start the third quarter off of the, um, the fumbled kickoff? So Travis Homer had a good day. I'm going to go completely off the board, and maybe you guys will shake your head and smile at me or what have you. But Nick Ballor, you know, he makes plays. Every time I look up on special teams or just in different ways, I like what Nick Ballor brings to the table. I saw him down there blocking on the uh, on the fake punt. I think he's the one who caused the fumble on the, the kickoff to start the third quarter. I like Nick Ballor. I'm giving Nick, Nick Ballor a taco, a burrito from Taco Time. He had a huge block on Adrian Peterson's touchdown run, too. Totally okay. cleared the guy out. Okay. Just drove him back in. I'm the taking end zone. Nick Ballore. How do you like that, Joe? How do you like that? I, I like that. I also like Nick Ballore is low-key pretty funny on social media. And I saw a quote from him post-game that he said, what do you think Adrian Peterson thought of you blocking for him on his touchdown? And he said he probably wondered who the hell I was, <laughs> um, which I think is just hysterical. Uh, Nick Ballore, fascinating, fascinating career from linebacker to 
offensive player to special teamer to everything in between. Um, that dude has been a uh, uh, a survival expert in the NFL uh, to stick around for as long as he has. So I, I, I like the shout out there, Mitch. I think it's worthwhile to give Rashad Penny a shout out. Had 10, had 10 carries for 35 yards, also caught a 27-yard pass, and a huge uh, block in uh, pass protection on a completion to Tyler Lockett on the sideline. It was a great catch and throw from from Russ to Lockett, but it doesn't happen uh, if Rashad Penny doesn't make a diving block at a dude that was coming in free at Russell Wilson. Uh, so give Rashad Penny some flowers, or not flowers, uh, but a crisp beef burrito, if you will. Well, I kind of did. I like it. We're going to save the playoff Seahawks playoff conversation for the next episode of of Unfiltered Mitch and the Seahawks not able. Ladies and gentlemen, Brady Henderson, follow him on ESPN, ESPN ESPN.com and Twitter. Brady, thank you so much. Thanks. And then there's Joey Fan, Joey Vegas, who shot 83 the other day at Summerlin, a PGA Tour stop. Joey, Joey Ball Striker. Thanks for being on the Seahawks Not Able. An absolute treat, as always, fellas. Let's catch up with the Zeke's Pizza president, Dapper Dan Black, who joins us back on the Zeke's Pizza hotline. How are we doing, Dan? How are Zeke's Pizzas doing? Well, obviously, I'm looking good, given my nickname. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, no, and Zeke's is doing well. Post-COVID, it's fun being open, having dining rooms open again. Pickup and delivery are still going good. People are ordering pizza. They're ordering beer. So, yeah, it's fun. You know, Kraken fever is at a high, high pitch. Everybody's loving the Kraken. Everybody's loving Climate Pledge Arena. And the first ever location that I went to of Zeke's was that Belltown location. I would imagine that's a good spot pre- and post-game Kraken. Yes? Oh, yeah, it's been awesome. We love the Kraken, uh, especially at that spot. You know, you mentioned the Belltown restaurant. It's got a great bar. I mean, it's like we always talk about. We have a really awesome Pacific Northwest beer list, but we've got cocktails, wine, everything you want in a full beer. So, yeah, that location has been really lively before the game. The restaurant and bars packed out, and then post-game as well. We stay open late on Kraken nights, and so the bar fills up out. After the games, people just want to keep the party going, and and we're happy to do it with them. It's now fun. You, now, you told us about Spokane the last time you were on the show. What are we doing? we got a couple of newbies coming to Western Washington, I understand. Yeah, we're swinging hammers in Spokane. It's getting close. Uh, but then, yeah, we got a couple on the west side here, too, that are that are within striking distance. Uh, Mill Creek up north uh, is going to be coming online relatively soon, and then White Center as well closer into the city and yeah we expect them both to be really fun the one in white centers right in with beer star and stuff so it's going to be a really cool location and what's the black family holiday choice in terms of orders yeah for whatever reason when it gets cold we start to go a little bit more spicy on our end so we're still drinking those fresh hop ipas so lateral a but then the pizzas we're ordering that go good with them are the cherry bomb and the dragon which are kind of two of our classics both got a little kick to them so that's what we've been ordering gotta love zeke's pizza Great partner of mine going back to the radio days. And Dan Black has been incredibly kind to us. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Rising with pressure. Closing in. Delivers a strike across the middle. Stretch it to a three-touchdown lead. Bryce Young drops. Plenty of time. Aaron it out. Man 
Williams there. Jamison Williams, touchdown. 55 yards. And the Wolverines cash it in. And it's Haskins. Touchdown, Michigan. It's Neuheisel time. Rick Neuheisel time. Taco time, NW.com. Up to $5,000 signing bonus still being offered for certain positions. They want you at tacotimenw.com. This episode 169 would not be what it is without Rick Neuheisel. How's my, how's my friend in, in Midtown Manhattan doing? I am doing well. Just back from Atlanta, where Alabama reminded the world that they haven't drifted into the abyss. Ah. Alabama flexed for all to see, my friend. Yes. Yes. And when you say they reminded the world, you would be part of that world that they yes, reminded <laughs> you and everybody else yes, thought was. this was going to be a Georgia, maybe not walk, but we thought Georgia would win comfortably. What did you learn that either you overlooked, you forgot, or you didn't know on Saturday? Well, there's an old saying, Mitch, that says those who don't re- uh, uh, know history are condemned to repeat it. Uh-huh. And in 2015, which was ironically the last time Alabama was an underdog, they played Georgia and they beat them 38 to 10. And it drew the fame, now famous rant from Nick Saban where he said, you guys had us dead and gone and buried. I was part of that throng that had them dead and gone <laughs> and buried. And there I was doing the pregame show for CBS yesterday, and I failed to remember that I was on Georgia back in 2015. And here I am picking against him. I said, uh, pressure is a privilege indeed. Kirby's got the team. I saw with my own eyes the problems that Alabama faced against Auburn the week before. It took a miracle 97-yard drive by uh, Bryce Young, a fourth and seven pass to Jalil Billingsley. I mean, it was like Georgia's way better than Auburn. They're going to beat them. And they didn't. Masterful job by the offensive staff, Bill O'Brien, Doug Marone. A Bryceman moment, if you will, for uh, Bryce Young. Uh, he was terrific. It was They were better. And I'm not sure that Georgia, the next time around, That's can fix question. enough to stop That's what was a brilliant yeah. performance yeah. by the tie. You beat me to the punch. You always do. You beat me to the punch. I was going to set it up by saying we just watched – Utah dominate Oregon twice, right? And right. and we asked the question after the first time around when we knew there'd be a second meeting just a couple of two, two or three weeks later, could Oregon turn it around or is it just a bad matchup? And we found out the answer. Same question goes for Georgia-Alabama. If they, if they meet in the championship game, will Georgia be able to do something different? It's going to have to be with a pass rush. And Kirby Smart's going to have to figure out, along with his defensive coordinator, Dan Lanning, are we playing the wrong front, meaning an odd front where there's not much interior in the, uh, in the way of a pass rush? Do we need to get into more of a four-down look and do what Auburn did, which isn't their identity in most downs? Because Alabama's going to be a much better running team. Uh, four weeks from now you know Brian Robinson will have been healed but they'll be better running the football they're gonna have to come up with some way to pressure Bryce Young when he's under pressure he's he's vulnerable otherwise he is a star among stars and uh 
I doubt Meshi will be there, but remember, they've got these kids that all are five-star guys anyway, and they'll be better four weeks from now. Will Georgia beat Michigan? And if the answer is yes, what will be the spread the second game? I think Georgia was a six-and-a-half-point favorite the first time around. If A, does Georgia beat Michigan? And B, what's the spread of Alabama-Georgia part two? I'm going to guess that the Georgia-Michigan line is going to be a slight lean towards Georgia, but I'm very leery of that. I think Michigan is a special team. That glue that you know creates great teams that we remember through the years is usually because of the personalities and their the way they kind of interact with one another. And to watch those kids in the aftermath of that game uh, the Hutchinson, the Haskins, the uh, McNamara's, those kids are a special crew. I, I, I think Michigan's going to give Georgia all they want in that Orange Bowl. Mm. You didn't answer the question, should Georgia and Alabama play again? What would be the spread if Georgia was the favorite by six and a half? What would be the this, spread? This is why you're clearly the best in your business. You <laughs> just don't let do? anybody <laughs> off the hook. <laughs> the spread, if Georgia wins, yeah. if Georgia beats Michigan, and I'm not conceding that point, okay. is the point I wanted to make. You made But it. <laughs> if they win, the spread will be Alabama by four. Uh, Alabama by four after they beat them up? Okay. I'm taking Alabama minus four if the rematch happens. Although Georgia would be coming off of a great win against Michigan. Now, that's exactly right. Do we care? Do we care, Rick, who's two and who's three? Michigan two, Georgia three, Georgia two, Michigan three. No. I mean, the color of the uniform. It's a jersey color. That's it. It's a jersey color. Okay. Is all it is. All right. All right. I got a million things for you, so I want to go through them a little bit quicker than I normally do. Bryce Young will run away with the Heisman. Few sophomores have ever won it. He will have a chance, I'm assuming you're going to tell me, to make a run at Archie Griffin. It's, It's amazing that Archie Griffin still stands clear with the two Heismans. Is this the is this the guy? Is this the special young man that wins two Heismans finally? For the first time since, I don't know, 74-75, the Ohio State running back. I, I uh, think that he certainly has the best chance of anybody in recent memory. Uh, I think it's hard to do it. I think people start to, you know, when you start the season as the Heisman favorite, people pick you apart. But uh, there's a guy who can do it. It's this guy because he has ice in his veins. Well, Tebow had a chance, I think. Lamar Jackson had a chance, I That's think. Right. And but, they uh, pick at you, and they pick at you, and they yeah. pick at you. Yeah. Neither one of them had the supporting cast that Bryce Young will have starting next season. Where does he rank with Tua and Mac Jones and Jalen Hurts and all these great recent, uh, in terms of NFL potential, NFL upside, where does this guy rank, Rick? I don't know that he compares with any of those guys who wore the same uniform. I compare him with Kyler Murray. Maybe not as explosive a run threat, because Kyler Murray in his senior year uh, with Oklahoma was a 1,000-yard rusher. Bryce Young does that almost unwillingly. He had three carries for 40 yards, but he can do it. And if he adds that to his arsenal and gets to be, you know, over 500 yards rushing alongside this great throwing arm, this great mastery of the offense and his ability to completely uh, be nonchalant about anything in and around him, keep his eyes down the field, uh, he's very, very much Kyler Murray. Okay. He'll be better than Mac Jones? He'll be better than Mac Jones? Oh, I think uh, a different kind of athlete than Mac Jones. Mac Jones is in the perfect situation right now. 
But he can take a team like Lamar took Baltimore and change their fortunes. He can take a team like Kyler took the Cardinals and change their fortunes. He, he's that kind of special talent. Kenny Pickett. Controversially, I want to know what you think about this. You know where I'm going. In the, in, I do know where you're going. In the Pittsburgh game, the Pittsburgh win for the ACC title, the great Pittsburgh quarterback, who I'm imagining will be in New York, he won't win the Heisman, but he'll be there, took off from the pocket and faked like he was going to slide and give himself up. And then when the defensive player laid off, he resumed his run and ran all the way for a touchdown. Must have been about 60 or 65 yards for a touchdown. And there's been a lot of chatter about that play, whether that's in good spirit. You know, the, the, the rule is there to protect the quarterback so that the defender doesn't take a shot at him. And here's the quarterback taking advantage of that rule change for him. A, was it in the spirit of football? Was it a fair and clean play? And B, should we consider changing the rules somehow to not allow that type of play to happen, Rick? I don't think it was a uh, dirty play. I think it was a smart play. We've seen quarterbacks, you know, look like they're running out of bounds and then cut up uh, and take advantage of defenders that don't want to get a flag called against them. I mean, I thought it was a smart play. I'm not at all mad of Kenny, at Kenny Pickett. I think he's a winner. I wouldn't be shocked to see him be the Steelers quarterback now that we know this is Big Ben's yeah. final season. But I do think that, that there should be a rule. If it, it all looks like a guy's getting ready to go into a slide, then it's a slide, whether he does it or not. You just go ahead and mark him down right there. So you shouldn't allow him to make that play anymore? I don't think so. Okay. Just because we're asking defenders to pull up and not hit and you know take care of people and make the game safer, if you look like you're starting a slide, then the slide is in my mind, already happened. Notre Dame is always at the center of the college football discussion. They were again this week. They fell short, did the Irish of the Final Four. Their their coach, as you suggested he would last week, Brian Kelly, took the LSU job. He's being, he's being trashed everywhere you look on social media. You're not a social media guy. <laughs> I saw the video of him with his southern accent, yeah, yes. and he deserves to be trashed for that. <laughs> so the, he's being trashed for his awful goodbye speech that was apparently two and a half or three minutes to his team. He's being trashed for faking a Southern accent at an LSU hoops game. I don't know. Maybe this is piling on. Do you know Brian Kelly at all? Do you think he's getting the fair treatment or what's going on there? I know Brian Kelly. Well, I like Brian Kelly. Uh, the, the, the fake Southern accent, he deserves absolute trash. <laughs> Go ahead and heap it on him. You can't do that in my family, my family. <laughs> you can't do that. Uh, <laughs> Although I found it very humorous oh, uh, for, for the, for the speech to the players. I, I do not at all find any fault with that. Okay. He wanted to get back there and tell those guys before the media uh, had leaked it, but he unfortunately couldn't. He sent out a text saying, Hey, you're, I'm sorry. You didn't get this from me first. I want to talk to y'all. I went back and did the same thing, having gotten the Washington job. Remember, it happened over uh, the Christmas holiday, and the players were uh, already home. We had played on the Christmas Day there in Hawaii, and I wanted to say goodbye to them and tell them uh, how much I cared about them. And that was a cold, cold meeting. I mean, because now I was an enemy. I was on somebody else's team. And I did it 
for the right reasons. I did it because I wanted to do it the right way. And while it didn't go over at all how I wanted it to, I was glad that it had happened. And as a matter of fact, Mitch, we played Colorado the next year, my first year on the job there at Washington. And every one of those players stayed out on that field and gave me a hug after. And I know that while it wasn't received well at the time, the fact that I had done it meant something to those kids. And I think the same for those kids at uh, Notre Dame. Notre Dame turns around. It seems like a popular hire, and they promote the defensive coordinator, Marcus Freeman, to be the head coach. Now, this is Notre Dame, and I'm not suggesting Marcus Freeman won't be a fabulous Hall of Fame coach someday. I hope he is. But uh, this is is South Bend, Indiana. They could have gotten a who's who to come there. Are you surprised they didn't go for the splashy hire? I think economics played into this. Um, Look... It was interesting to me when Brian Kelly revealed he was off to the Bayou that uh, Jack Swarbrick, the athletic director at Notre Dame, did not immediately name Marcus Freeman the interim coach. As a matter of fact, he said, I may not name an interim coach. Mm. And I thought that was a ploy to keep Luke Fickle on the uh, on the drawing board as the next coach at Notre Dame because I think that's where Jack Swarbrook obviously wanted to go. That being said, what when the team responded with the lack of this interim appointment and Swarbrook became aware how popular Freeman had become with the team and how much they wanted this. And then I'm sure in conversations with Fickle's representation, how expensive Fickle thought he should be relative to the market that has just exploded right before our very eyes. He says, wait a minute, I can get Marcus Freeman for half price. Yeah. Hopefully the kids will respond and he's a great recruiter and I'm going to do it. And I think he fixed the problem and saved himself a bunch of money. I think a hell of an interesting one is, and maybe it's because of my, my ties to Florida and South Florida, but this, the Oregon coach who's got incredible ties to the Miami program in that area, obviously is being wooed by the Hurricanes for a lot of money. What do you think the end result for Cristobal will be? I think Cristobal goes to Miami. Wow. I think Dan Radakovich uh, leaves Clemson as the athletic director there and goes to Miami. And whoever's footing the bill for all this uh, (laughs) in the land of the Hurricane is uh, a very wealthy man. But uh, I think all of that happens. And then it'll be interesting to see what Phil Knight, who can write any check he wants to write, uh, determines is the best course of action, along with Rob Mullins, the athletic director at Oregon for the Ducks. Well, if he can write any check that he wants to write, why wouldn't he write that check to keep Cristobal there? I think he's wondering if Cristobal is all that. Oh, I think Cristobal in the uh, these losses to Utah over the last couple of uh, weeks and uh, in some really curious game day management. I think he's, uh, he's playing his hand a little too far, and I think it's going to draw the ire of uh, some of the well-heeled ducks, namely Mr. Knight. Okay, before we get to the picks, I've put it off as long as I can that you're falling back off the wagon when it comes to picks. <laughs> before we the, get there. Bailey Zappi didn't make you happy? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Well, he threw for 577 yards. 
but he wasn't helpful on run defense for his team that gave up 304. We'll get to that in a second. I don't know. I guess there, there's no pick this week. Is there any football going to be this week? I don't know how you... There's, there, there's there's no picky this week. So we'll, we won't we'll, lose. we'll get to the New Year's Day six <laughs> okay. uh, in we, short order. Okay. We won't lose. I know that. But I thought we'd have a little fun uh, since we don't have a pick this week. We had a guest on our show on this particular show who randomly, and I swear to you, I didn't have anything to do with it. I know you're going to see, you're going to see, be skeptical. <laughs> you're going to say, Mitchie set this up. Mitchie did not set this up. <laughs> we had a guest on our show who was very lovely. I, I never expected him to be as, as vibrant and as funny and as personable as he was because he wasn't that way as a player. He was kind of a serious, mean, angry player who was an All-American at the University of Washington. He went on to NFL, I want to say stardom, pretty close to Hall of Fame type of guy. He may not ever make the Hall of Fame, but he was certainly, he was an all-decade NFL offensive lineman for the Chicago Bears named Olin Krutz. Do you recall? I remember Olin Krutz. Okay. The first weekend of my uh, head coaching (laughs) career. At? Colorado. I'd just been named the new head coach. He was on a visit to Colorado. Ah, I'm going to play you. Now, I, I we have to we have to use the uh the creativity of modern technology here, but I am going to play you. I asked him if you if you didn't go to Washington, where were you considering going? And I want to play for you the clip of Olin Krutz's answer to that question, okay? <laughs> okay. When I got to Colorado, uh McCartney, I think McCartney was the head coach's Bill, name at the Bill, time. Bill. Yeah. He, yeah, Bill he retired the day I was on my recruiting trip. Oh. Okay. And I gave the job to Rick Neuheisel. Oh. I met Rick Neuheisel. Uh, he was my kind of guy. Right? He was uh-huh. screaming and, and yelling. And uh, he, he yelled at me, here comes Ralph Feeder, Buffalo. And uh, that just kind of, I'm not saying Rick Neuheisel is a bad guy. Just at that time, an 18-year-old Olin Cruz, I just wasn't into that. So Now, Rick Neuheisel is a regular guest on mm-hmm. Mitch Unfiltered, a weekly guest. I want to know, do I have your permission to play that soundbite for him? Can I? Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> I'd like to see if he remembers it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I remember oh. that being the, I we can't use the language, but the S show of a visit. <laughs> because, because... There was part of the guys on the staff that, you know, we had four guys on the staff, Mitch, that were trying to get the job. (laughs) And we still had a bowl game to coach Uh because Bill McCartney wasn't going to leave until after he coached in the Fiesta Bowl against Notre Dame. Uh And so there were me who just got the job (laughs) and three other guys who were really disappointed that I got the job. And I mean, goodness gracious! I'm going to tell yeah, you I'm something. Sorry I wasn't, I, I, I'm sorry I wasn't Olin's cup of tea. We would have loved to have had Olin. Olin was a a fabulous, fabulous oh. player. And we had a kid on the team by the name of Chris Naoli who ended up going off and playing for the Saints. He yeah. was a first rounder for the Saints when yeah. Dit- Ditka was coaching yeah. there. Yeah. And I thought Naoli and and Olin would have been unbelievable side by side. Uh, I understand I'm not everybody's cup of tea. My wife says that often. I'm not her cup of tea either. He, by the way, he went on to say that it was the offensive line coach who had recruited him. He came to visit the offensive line coach, whoever that was. 
the offensive line coach learned while he was there that he wasn't getting the head coaching job. So he said to he he said to to Kruitz, I don't even care if you come here anymore. You do it, do what you want. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. One hundred percent. It was a, as uh, I said, an S show type of weekend. Uh, yeah, it was a terrible, uh, terrible weekend for Olin Kruitz to be a part of the uh, Buffalo uh, family because the the Buffalo family was splintering. <laughs> I, was Ralphie splintering because here comes Ralphie. Olin Krutz. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He gave he gave me a little bit of that rah rah stuff. Hey, listen, uh, I, I I I can't hold it who I am. The Ralphie running was was fun for me. Oh, <laughs> uh, I thought you'd get a kick out of that. Anyway, it's fun to laugh and, and go back in time over some of those uh, some of those visits. All right, so there's no pick you lost. You had um, Western Kentucky University. They were actually down 42-13 at one point. I did not bet them, so don't worry about it. The Levy family did not I'm, lose money I'm on it. I'm pleased to hear. I'm <laughs> pleased to hear. So maybe you and I can get together next week or whenever, and we can figure out some bowl games. I don't know. Is there going to be a whole allotment of bowl games? Is it going to be the normal setup for bowl? or what? Oh, yeah. Okay. Listen, it's that time of year. Okay. Yeah, we're going to get uh, bowl mania and okay. then some. Okay, good. Good. Rick Neuheisel brought to you by Taco Time. Rick, it's great to have you back. Happy holidays to you. I know you have your family there or some of your, your family there in New York. We'll talk to you down the line. Thanks so very much. Army Navy next week, Mitch. <laughs> Army Navy next week. I'm taking Army. Time to catch up with my friend Lindsay Schwartz, the CEO of Daniel's Broiler. Lindsay, how are you and how the holiday season's starting at my favorite steakhouse? Hey, Mitch, doing great. We had an awesome Thanksgiving. It was nice to see you there, and we're super excited for the month of December. It's going to be a really busy one for us. And it's the time of the season where we're always looking for stocking stuffers and Hanukkah gifts. You've got the famous Daniel's Mixers being sold not only on Amazon but now in local stores. Yeah, just in time for the holidays, and it is a perfect stocking stuffer, perfect holiday gift. Uh, we've got all four cocktail mixers, the Old Fashioned, the Lavender Martini, the Whiskey Sour, the Kentucky nice. Mule, available on Amazon and now at QFC. Now, I'm not a huge drinker, but one night after you gave me samples on the golf course, we sat at the table tasting drinks in the mixers, and we've decided that the Levy family is partial to the Lavender martini mixer what do you think about that it's great and we sell a ton of those in the restaurants that's always been a really popular drink as well as the old-fashioned i i actually kind of like the uh, whiskey sour the best but uh, everybody's different now you're offering a special deal to mitch unfiltered listeners like you did back on father's day how do we get that deal and what kind of deal do we get on these things yeah, we're going to do 10% off just for Mitch Unfiltered listeners. Nice. You just uh, type in the code Mitch10DB for that 10% off. We did it with you for Father's Day. It was really successful, and we're excited to do it for the holidays. And that code will be good through the end of the year. What's the cost of these mixers? They're 17 bucks before the discount. Okay. Very good. So go to Amazon.com. Or go to QFC, but to get the discount... Go to Amazon.com, discount code, would you say, Mitch10DB, as in Daniel's Broiler, and you'll get That's 10% right. off of any mixer that you want. They're very, very popular. Daniel's Broiler mixers for the holiday season, a great stocking stuffer. We love Daniel's Broiler, world-class steakhouses. All righty, it's been too long, way too long since we got a little update. I'm the new Kirkland branch of Cross Country Mortgage. Jay Flo, 
Jordan Flowers is in the house. Jay Flo, how's the transition gone to cross country? Hey, it's good to be back. It's been a great transition. Thanks for having me back on. I didn't know if you were still doing <laughs> these or what. I don't know, but <laughs> it's been a phenomenal transition. It's been great. I got to give a special shout out. You got listeners everywhere, Mitch. And the gentleman that is the area manager for the space we've been in, in Bellevue, his name's Alfred Northcutt. He came up and talked to me getting coffee in the space the other day. He's a big fan big nice. listener and he's been phenomenal to work with here so alfred thank you appreciate Tr- all tremendous. you've done for us throw some numbers at us jordan 30-year fixed refinance opportunities how's the selling market i understand you personally went through the sale and purchase of a new home i'm assuming cross-country mortgage handled that <laughs> cross-country did handle it and did a phenomenal job thank you cross-country uh, <laughs> we did sale it was a great sale phenomenal sale and we are moving into our new house here soon 30-year fix rates conventional conforming 30-year fixes at three to three three seven five depending on credit and purchase versus refi or cash out people are still looking to do home improvements what have you there um, some are still calling in lower in the interest rates. So low threes right now with the conventional 30-year and then jumbo rates, loan amounts higher than 748 right now are kind of high twos, 275 to 3%. And Cross Country's always been a leader in new construction packages available. That's right. We talked about it a little bit last time and I've gotten several phone calls with listeners. But yes, we are a market leader with custom construction builds and love talking to everybody that's calling in about it. And how do we call in? How do we contact the new Kirkland office of Cross Country Mortgage? You can always text and call me on my cell phone, 425-890-2957, or you can email me and the team all at once at teamflowers at myccmortgage.com. Nice. You've got the name, you've got the number, the new Kirkland office of Cross Country Mortgage, terrific partners and sponsors of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. stuff time on yes. episode 169 and before you go i know that you have a lot on your list always i hope you do anyway i've got some stuff too can i just get an overall opinion on the whole alec baldwin thing i've been staying away from it so you're asking the wrong guy i, don't know. I am it's just it's so heavy and it's just so rough and we'll never really know who was at fault Now he's saying that he didn't pull the trigger. I have a guilty... The reason I'm bringing it up is I have a guilty conscience. Okay. Now, I did not see the interview that was on like primetime 2020, whatever it was last week when he came on and did a tell-all. I don't know what channel it was on, but he did a whole thing about I didn't pull the trigger and this was... He he broke down and cried. The bag's under his eyes. He's been crying for like a month. I'm just going to say it because it's called unfiltered. We could probably just jump to the next segment. I feel guilty that I think in my heart of hearts, somewhere in my heart, I have a heart, I don't know why I think maybe he did something wrong. Really? Is it terrible? Is it because of the Alec Baldwin story and all the stuff that he's been involved yeah, with? maybe. The assaults and the guy on the street who parked yeah. in his space. Yeah, yelling at parking meters. Yelling at his, <laughs> his daughter on her, on her voicemail Stupid that got out. Yeah, yeah, ungrateful pig. I, I don't know if it's Alec Baldwin hmm. or what. There's just something in my heart that's like, and I'm not saying he tried to, he, he went out, he wanted right. to murder this guy. I mean, he made a mistake. Somewhere, I, I just, I can't get it out of my mind that maybe Alec Baldwin did something that he wasn't supposed to do. 
whether he put the bullet huh. in the gun, whether he was waving the gun when he shot. There's and civil I, and, suits and, and, now. And it's I got to tell you, I'm guilty that I feel that way because yeah. it's the holiday season and I should believe. I mean, <laughs> it sounds like a huge accident. I think anybody else, most anybody else, I wouldn't think twice about it being an accident. But yeah. for some reason, he he makes me feel like, is there any negligence there? He's the producer of the film. Yeah. How did that bullet get in the gun? Why was that gun pointed at her? What was going on there? It's all crazy. It's, I mean, and then he says he didn't pull the trigger, and now experts are all coming out going bullshit. Right. That kind of a gun, it's impo- It's almost it's a one in a billion for that gun to go off without somebody pulling the trigger. So I don't know. It's, I don't know, Hotshot. It's I don't know. so ugly, and it's so sad that that, that, that director was killed and— and I feel sorry for Alec Baldwin. I mean, you see him crying on his cell phone on the set. Like, I mean, imagine. That's just awful. So it's hard for me to go there. To, but, I went but, there. But I'm so, sorry. There are civil suits coming back. out, and they're going to investigate. And I don't know, maybe, I, like, let's say. Let's I say think he, it's Alec Baldwin. I think I've yeah. always had a thing for Alec Baldwin. Probably. He's been prickly, and he's yeah. been kind of an a-hole. You know, he just I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I take it back. By the way, can we talk about. You were somebody doesn't want to listen to the show anymore because of your bell. Did I read that tweet oh, right? God. Do we have to go there? We don't have to. I just want to under, make sure I understand what I'm what I'm reading. You don't understand it because you, you again. This is going back to what we talked about before. This may this may have started in the middle. This may be a Mitch in the morning thing when you weren't around. Okay. But I and I don't want to explain it because it's kind of a running gag over the last twenty years that I never explain it. But I ring the bell during interviews at a certain time. Yeah, and you know what's funny is that when you went on Tom Wassell's Cockamamie podcast, remember yes, that? Yes. And you explained it to him. Did I? That's the first I'd ever heard of it. Okay, there you go. I just know you did hit I? it once in a while. I don't normally explain it to anybody. Yeah, that's the first. Cause I didn't know why you did it, and I, I think it's hilarious. I always do. I, I've been doing it for years. So, the, so it's because. I know. Oh, I don't okay. like to explain. Oh, you don't. Okay. I don't. I'm surprised I did it on Wassel's show, but that's the that's the origin of the issue with the caller, with the the listener, the the patron. Yeah. He wrote me, "Hey, I hear the bell go off every once in a while during an interview, and I don't know what it means." Yeah. And I wrote him, and I love that. And back in the day with Sandmeyer and the crew, we would get these questions all the time. People would call and change the subject. <laughs> yeah. Why do you ring the bell? And I would always say. You got to figure it out. <clears throat> okay. There is some rhyme or some reason. There is. But I'm not. You got to figure it out. And then people would write emails. Why do you ring the bell? And I would always say, you got to figure it out. Now, see, I didn't know this either. This okay. is awesome. It's just a running gag. Yeah. And so this guy writes me. I hear the bell during the, the interview segments every once in a while. And I'm wondering why you do that. And I, and I posted that on, on Twitter. Yeah. And I also posted my response, which, which was something like, appreciate your writing. It's kind of a running gag. It would be too easy for me to tell you. This is my email response. And I posted this on Twitter. It would be too easy to tell you. You got to have to figure There is a rhyme or reason. You got to figure it out. Same answer I've been given for 25 years. Yeah. Well, he took exception to that. Okay. He did not like that. A, he thought it was belittling. Uh, B, he thinks it's distracting on the show. It's not nice. Uh, C, he thought I aired him out or I publicly shamed him. Right. I publicly humiliated him. I posted his email. I intentionally um, blocked the, the yeah. last name. All you knew his first name was Josh. Right. That's the only thing you knew. Yeah. He called that public humiliation, yeah. which I don't see how that's public humiliation if I, don't, if I don't post your last name. He's the only Josh around. We all know that. He, he took huge exception. So I wrote him another note. And I said, sorry. He said, I, I can't ever listen to the show again. Wow. I can't ever be a patron again. And, and maybe you should consider being better. 
when you go along. <laughs> because of the bell thing? Because of not only the bell thing, but oh my, my, re- my response to him. Yeah, I understand, but okay. it comes from the bell thing. The bell like, thing, yeah. That's really going to be maybe the thing that you makes can, him not listen. I'm never going to listen again, and maybe you can consider being better. And I wrote back. I don't think I posted this. I, I did post his note on Twitter. Yeah. People laughed. And I wrote back something like, I'm sorry you feel that way. I'm sure there's a million shows that'll be better, more palatable for you. And yes, I try to be better every day. I'll do the best that I can, but I take your request seriously. Yeah. Something like that. And I haven't heard from him since, but everybody on Twitter is like a buzz with Good this Lord. guy. Talk about sensey poo. No kidding, man. Maybe he's having a bad day. Who knows? This went over a couple of days. This was over oh, two days. Okay, I'm trying. I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. So, yes. <laughs> all right. I'm yes. just curious about all that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Mitch Levy rubbing someone the wrong way on I social guess. media. Can you believe it? Not the Mitch I know. <laughs> George Clooney, you familiar with him? Yeah. He recently spoke with The Guardian and said at this point in his life, he's got all the money he needs and therefore has become more selective in the projects he chooses to do. He said, I was offered $35 million for one day's work for an airline commercial but I talked to my wife about it, and we decided it's not worth it. Must be nice. $35 million? For one day. Oh. Well, it, it's funny because you bring, that, uh, you bring that up. First of all, George Clooney sold that. Was it uh, not vodka? Yeah, uh, I think it might have been tequila. Tequila company. I think a billion dollar. I think that was a billion dollar sale. Now, it was right, all, yeah. wasn't all his, but his, he and his partners split up, divvied up a billion dollars. Right on top of his acting whatever, money, whatever that is. Yeah, so yeah. I, I get it. But I often wonder. You know, it used to be a, there used to be a day and age where Hollywood A list actors and actresses didn't do commercials like that. Or if they did, they'd go to Japan or overseas right, where right. no one would see it. <laughs> now you see them on there, and every time I see like an A lister doing a commercial, yeah. like freaking. Uh, Hey, 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 what's happening? What, what, what's that guy's name? The, the McConaughey? Guy? McConaughey, he does cars like Lincoln. How did I get McConaughey out of that awful impression? Hey, 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 I don't, yeah. I don't know. What, Bill Cosby's Fat Albert? <laughs> Is that what you were doing? <laughs> but now you know what you see? You see um, like Jamie Foxx doing, you know, all these yeah. Vegas sports books? Yep. I saw Ben Affleck doing a, a, a Vegas sport, like a Caesars Vegas yep. sports book. I, and I, and I, my mind starts to wander like, how first of all, it's probably one day, one yeah. day's worth. How much do they have to pay? How much does it take to get Ben no Affleck kidding. off his couch to do a Caesars Palace sports book commercial? Yeah. Gotta be huh, 10, 10 20, yeah, yeah, 30, yeah. 50 He's million getting, dollars. George is getting 35 for one day's work commercial. So is Ben then worth 15? Probably worth more. Right. Isn't, isn't he a bigger draw than George Clooney is these days? I think he is. Maybe equal. I don't know. Yeah, I know. Crazy. And, but the best one was, you know, Pat Oswalt. Can you picture what he looks like? A little short guy. Yeah, you've talked about him because of... Uh, oh, his wife. Story. Yeah. 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 I saw him doing an ad for Caesars Sportsbook. Yeah. I happen to know, like, I don't know Patton, but I follow... Yeah. That guy's never watched a sporting event in his <laughs> life. <laughs> Much less wagered on one. Oh, geez. He loves comic books and yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. He's just a big nerd. I oh, love geez. him, but he took the check, and God bless him. I mean, who wouldn't, right? Who's saying no to that easy money? I don't think it was George Clooney money, though, for Patton Oswalt. No, it's not, but yeah. I, the fact that he took it, and he's never watched a sporting event in his life oh, just kind of makes me laugh. Anyway, must be nice. $35 right. million for one day. All right. Uh, Bama versus Cincy, Michigan versus Georgia. Do you like the Final Four? I I'm said on Twitter, I, people are talking about this being bad for the networks with Cincinnati. Yeah. I love the fact that Cincinnati, I was rooting for them all year to make the playoffs. The problem is 30 minutes into that game, no one, no one will be watching ABC or whatever it is, ESPN, because it'll be 24. They're going to get dusted by Alabama. You think so? So, yeah. Is it exciting and interesting to see Cincinnati playing a game like that? Yeah. 
until you turn it off. I'm going to remind uh, remind myself to ask you. Please do. Yes. How did you enjoy the Cincinnati Alabama <laughs> game that you were so excited? They about? They don't have a chance. You don't. Think? No chance. Really, I think like, that's like interesting. Z- like zero chance. But in a way, I think that's interesting too because I'm sure they're riding high. We're undefeated. We Buster, deserve to be in. Buster Douglas versus Mike Tyson. Oh, it's that serious. The great, the, oh, it's well, not that serious. Okay. But yeah. Was a thirty-three to one or something? Thirty-five like that? to one. Thirty-five yeah. to one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's cool. And it, what if that's a close game? Who's not going to be watching that? It's going to be awesome. So, yeah, I love the college football okay. playoffs. I'm excited for All it. Right. Michigan, How about you? Are you? Well, yeah. I mean, I, 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 like, I like the college football playoff. I think it's an interesting set of games. I don't like Jim Harbaugh. Well, I'm, I have a real problem with Jim Harbaugh. But you have to give him credit. I don't want to give him credit. I don't want to either. I don't like, like, Jim Harbaugh is on my, like, Phil Mickelson the weasel mark few. Okay. There are about three or five or eight or 12 or 20 people in sports that I just, no, nah, I'm out. He, look, I am so out on Jim Harbaugh. I get it. Look what he did at Stanford. He made him a powerhouse. Look what he did with the Niners. They definitely should have won at least one Super Bowl. Look what, and now look what he's done at Michigan. Took well, him five he, years, but he they're a powerhouse been, now. He should have been fired by now at Michigan. Well, he wasn't, and they're now a powerhouse. Well, they're, are they a powerhouse? Sure they or, are. or are they a team that's having a great year? Well, I don't know. They're, they have one loss, and they're in the playoffs right now. Yeah, they're, they're a team that's having a great year. A powerhouse does it year after year after year, well, which a coach at Michigan should be able to do. Now, I, I, I yes. you got to start somewhere. And I really don't want to give him credit. I don't want to either. Don't put me in a position to have to give him credit. But he's Douche, a pretty I wrote incredible a song. coach. I wrote a song called Douchebag Harbaugh Style. <laughs> I know. Okay? No, no, no. I'm, I'm a no. I'm out on Harbaugh. You can't give him credit for what he's done. And he did an unbelievable interview on Mitch in the, Mitch in the Morning many, many years ago. He did. Yeah. You're being sarcastic. No, I'm I'm being very serious. He was the coach of the then, well, I guess there's still, the University of San Diego. Did you know that's where he was the coach before Stanford? No. He went to Stanford from San Diego. Okay, not San Diego State. No, University of San Diego. And he came on our show when he was the coach of University of San Diego, and he was amazing. Okay. And And then he went to Stanford, and everything changed. Oh, it did, once he got to Stanford. Yeah, he became a a really dislikable figure. All right. Yeah. Hard to overlook what he's done, though. What do you got? You go next. Julian's Auctions announced that your buddy Sly Stallone auctioned off some stuff from his massive collection, and the highlights include his boxing glove used on camera in Rocky III. Now, that would be pretty awesome to have. His what? His boxing gloves. It's a boxing movie, Rocky III. He plays a boxer. (laughs) And he fought Clubber Lang, familiar with Mr. T? Uh And also his training gloves from Rocky Balboa. It also includes the boxing mouth guard that he wore in Rocky in the 1976 film, the, The Mouth Guard. I think this kind of stuff, collectible shit is cool. Maybe no one else does. There's also some Rambo gear. Includes knives, arrows, headbands, scripts, watches, combat boots, and all this stuff. But the auction already happened, mm-hmm. and so we missed out on it. But it'd be pretty cool to have the Rocky Three gloves. Yeah. You're not a collectibles guy. No. I'm not either, but I think that'd be no. pretty, that would be pretty cool. I would love to have that. I think Rocky Three was the most underrated of the series. Well, I love it, so you're not going to get an argument I like me. Rocky Three. I even liked Rocky Two. We a say lot of people... Un- Wait, you say underrated as underrated. if Underrated. People, I don't Critics know. didn't like it. No, that's what I'm saying. It's underrated. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. I think it was very it's good. It's better than what people think. Oh, yeah. Is that Hell the, yeah. with the robot? And, no, 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 no. Is the robot four? No, the robot might be in three. Yeah. But three is the two, are the two matches with Clubber Lang. Yeah. It was very good. It's good. He, very good. He, had, he, he played a great role. Clubber Lang was the, the ultimate, yeah. the, the ultimate bad guy. Unbeatable. 
He was just unbeatable. He was a perfect villain in that. I mean, he played the role perfectly, right? Oh, come on. Rocky had to find his eye of the tiger. He sure did. He's training in the ballroom with the balloons and the dancing girls and the whole thing. Mickey hated it. Hated it. Hated it. He knew we were in in for a disaster. That's right. (laughs) He'll knock you into tomorrow. He was at the Waldorf Astoria. I think so. so, Yeah. Then they end up going to some crappy gym in LA. Well, that's when when Apollo took over and said, you got to find your eye of the tiger. And then they raced down the shore. Oh, come on. It's beautiful. Awesome. I love it. I love that movie. See, when, she, when she ripped him, when she when when Adrian uh, ripped him on the beach, what's the matter with you? Yeah, calling him out, right? Yeah. Like, he's, what's he's, the matter with you? I'm and afraid. So, okay, I'm, for that... the first time in my life. <laughs> I like Rocky Three. I can watch them all though; they're yeah, so good. They're good. All right, uh, let's see. Thursday night, there was an NBA game that I want to point out. Okay, when was the last time I referred back to a five-day-old NBA game on Mitch Unfiltered? Yeah, it's been a while. I don't think I ever have. Okay. Well, I want to make mention of this one, then we'll move on. Memphis 152, Oklahoma City 79. Oh, wow. The largest margin in the history of the NBA. Now, is this, is this full-time karma? Maybe not. But I like the fact that it's the Oklahoma City Thunder yeah. that are now the victims of the worst the worst drubbing in the history of the NBA. 152 to 79. That's a 73 point blowout almost doubled them up almost doubled them. that's up. crazy there you go and at one point they had durant harden westbrook had them and all just parlayed it in the sh- and now they suck and they suck and i bet you I, I don't know but i'll bet you nobody's going to the games the, all the excitement yeah, for maybe. oklahoma city and oh we got a team now and do you remember what happened when new orleans had the had the hurricane and that new orleans team played in oklahoma city for a little bit while new orleans rehabilitated from the hurricane. Everybody was so excited over basketball, and that's what started the momentum to bring NBA. <laughs> now what? I yeah. want to see the I want to see the crowds in Oklahoma City now. Yeah, me too. Let's see them. Yep. The Sonics yeah. did it for 40 years supporting a team. It ain't easy. Seattle did it for 40 ain't years. Ain't easy being me. No, it sure isn't. <laughs> By the way, did you love Gonzaga losing to Alabama? Y'all in the Climate Pledge Arena. It was on my list, but good. Oh, it was. You just checked it right what off. What a day for Alabama fans. I that's mean, it, right. it must be nice. What must that feel like? To take down number one in football wasn't then number three in basketball. Yeah, must be. I, I can't even relate to that at all. What must that be like to they be? They ain't Alabama singing fan? in Tuscaloosa, Loserville. <laughs> no, okay. they are. Not. Nobody's writing songs <laughs> called Loserville in Tuscaloosa. No, no they are not. Oh, Pretty awesome. Okay. What were you going to say about climate pledge? I was just going to say first ever big time. I know they've had some other basketball games in there, but this was the first ever big time basketball game at Climate Pledge yep. Arena. Gonzaga comes in, and this is where. The weasel starts doing media and publicity in Seattle. He's Mr. Nice Guy because yeah. he wants to sell tickets. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, yeah. Got, got his ass handed out to for him. <laughs> got his ass handed. He sure did. Um, I have the unfiltered coach of the week I've got. And that's it. So you want to finish up? You want to do a couple or do you want to? Oh, the Brian Kelly. We haven't talked about the Brian Kelly thing. We haven't talked about a lot of stuff. We haven't talked about Jake Hayner. Oh, right. Yeah. Maybe coming back to the University of Washington. We haven't talked about the Huskies basketball team finding a new way to lose games. They're now forfeiting games because of a COVID outbreak. Oh. They forfeited the UCLA game. Uh, we're not going to play that one. A Pac-12 game? Yeah, well, UCLA is very good and probably would have killed them. Okay. And so they rescheduled the Arizona State game that they couldn't play because of COVID. But the UCLA game, they were like, eh, we, we don't have time to play it. Sorry, guys. <sighs> so they're not playing the UCLA game. They forfeited that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Brian Kelly. Yeah. Are you are you paying attention to the Brian Kelly bashing? Well, yeah. It's you, fantastic. You said he doesn't seem like a great fella. I haven't there's read been much a lo- about him. There's been a lot of like rumblings that he's not a nice guy. There okay. was his participation. I don't want to get too 
morbid. But you remember the the kid went up into the um, on the tower in the wind. He brought the kid yeah, up. Yeah, that's right. And it went down and he died. That was remember him. that? That okay. was in Notre Dame. And there's been a few assistant coaches who have claimed that he didn't treat him very nicely. And some players who say that he doesn't treat him very nice. Now he goes. He takes the job to go to LSU. Leaves Notre Dame for LSU. Nine and a half, ten million dollars a year. Nobody, nobody uh, begrudges him the opportunity sure. to go and make a lot of money. But it's he's such a fraud that he goes and they have him make a make a speech at halftime of an LSU basketball game yeah. to rev up excitement that he's coming to LSU. Do you sure. know what I'm about oh, to say? No, I don't. But I, I know that move. I saw Sark do it at a basketball game. So all of a sudden, he's got a Southern accent. Come on. <laughs> I love it. Really? Yeah. And, oh, that's incredible. And so there were a lot of people. They took what? the word. They took the word family. He was like, family? He was like, he was like putting on a Southern accent. Well, coincidentally, in his, in his media session the day before back in South Bend when he was leaving, yeah. he said the word family. So people oh, are no. taking the two, the clips of him saying family real. Love it. And then... Just nailing him because he he put on a fake Southern accent to say the word family at the at halftime of the LSU game. Fantastic! But see, the, the, he's just getting. I mean, the <laughs> social media is just having a field day with Brian Kelly. The first one wasn't real, like you said. That was actually his fake Midwest accent. Oh, I he's see. got all kinds. No matter where he goes, he's got he he can do them all. That's incredible. Oh dear, Misty. Uh, Misty's here to, to, to um, so we didn't do that. Jake Hayner may be coming back to the UW. I wonder what that means for Sam Heward. In a way, That'd I think it's very... kind of good, isn't it? To sit another year with a new coach and does new he want to sit another year? I don't know. I mean, yeah, does maybe... he want to go somewhere and play? Well, then beat out Jake Hayner. I don't can't. know what to tell you. See, that's what the, people are saying that, but that's nonsense. If Jake Hayner comes here, yeah, he threw 32 touchdowns for Fresno State last year. Yep, his head coach would be bringing him here. Trust me. His head coach to get him here, if he comes here, will be telling him, you're the starter. Forget Sam Heward. You got one year left. You're a graduate yeah. transfer. You're the starter. If he comes here, there is no competition. Don't fool yourself into believing that they're going to let Sam Heward compete with a guy who chose to spend his last year yeah. back at Washington after he threw 32 touchdowns. But he's, that doesn't happen. He's it's not happening. If he comes to UW, he's there for a year. Is Sam Heward willing, and I'm, maybe the answer is yes, yeah. to sit there for a year and watch this guy? Well, he was prepared to do it for a lot lesser quarterback as a true freshman. That right? was last year. Right. And now he's played a little bit, and now is his second year. Yeah. Does he want to sit in his second year and watch another guy play? I don't know the answer. I don't know Sam Heward. I don't know hardly Damon Heward at all, but to say hello and – who knows? Now, maybe you would say, oh, they're a Heward and they'll just stay at Washington because they have an attachment to the city and the, and the, and the organization, the program and whatever. But I don't think it's any I don't think it's any sealed deal yeah. that Sam Heward's going to be OK with Jake Hayner coming in and being anointed the starter from day one. And he will be anointed the starter from day one. He ain't coming here no, if you. there's any chance that he's not playing. Imagine he, uh, he's not for the second time. For the second time. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> He's not playing all of a sudden. So let's see here. Um, I got one last one. Okay. But I'll, I mean, do you have a, What's, you have any RIPs or anything? Oh yeah. I got a couple. Did you see your buddy Tiger Woods tossing the football around with Bryson DeChambeau? I saw not only Tiger Woods God. tossing the football around, but much more importantly, I saw Tiger Woods hitting three woods. Yeah. Hitting drivers. Oh, okay. After he got on the world stage and told everybody, ah, I'm never going to be the same again. I yeah. may never play more than two or three tournaments or four tournaments a year. I'll be lucky to play competitive golf. I just will never be able to climb the mountain again. 
And then the next day, there's video of him on the range striping balls. Oh, he is. And I'm like, okay, he's playing possum. <laughs> Good. He is. Tiger is playing possum. Talk about a comeback if he ever makes. He's it back coming the, back. Oh, he is. Yeah, and I th- and I'm hearing more and more. I'm hearing a a a momentum. You know that that tournament. Do you remember that tournament? They have a father son tournament. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. That all the great, a lot of the great like major champion winners and their sons and grandsons they play in a best ball. Yep. I'm hearing that he might, play, and that's like in a couple of weeks. I'm hearing he may play with Charlie in that tournament. Wow. In a couple of weeks, that'd be fun to watch. How is he already playing in yeah. that tournament? If he if he's never going to be tournament ready, he's already playing two weeks later. All right. I like it. He's, I mean, he's superhuman. We know that. Yes, he is. He's not a young man anymore, but he's, he's still not, Tiger Woods. Not. Yeah. Just happy he's alive. Yeah, exactly. Could have been yeah. dead. And has Very his leg. Very easily. Yeah. And has his leg. Yeah. A couple yeah. RIPs. One yes. of the most enduring U.S. political figures of all time. Yes. Bob Dole has died. Yes, he did. 10 months after revealing he was battling lung cancer. 96, 8. He was 98 years old. 98 years old. And battling lung cancer at 98. I mean, he was not only a U.S. senator from Kansas, also a decorated Army veteran. He was also a pitch man for Viagra. I don't know if you remember that or not. He was. Yeah, I think so. I hope they were able to close the casket, okay? Rest in peace to Bob Dole. <laughs> now, here's a here's an RIP for you. Jesus. Didn't Eddie, he, by the way, didn't Nora McDonald pass away? Norm, Norm McDonald, didn't he? Didn't, oh, he, he did, did Bob Dole. Yeah, Norm McDonald right. did yeah. Bob Dole on Saturday Night Live. Good right? memory, yes. Yeah, yeah. And Bob Dole came on with him, I think, at one point. Yes, he, he did, because he had a good, he had a good he, spirit about it. He did, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Eddie Mecca, you had to have seen this. Eddie Mecca? Yes. Most From famous? Laverne and Shirley? The Big Ragu? The Big Ragu. You remember the Big Ragu? Do I remember the Big Ragu? <laughs> I was the Big Ragu. <laughs> oh, he's singing and dancing. And oh, he was fantastic. Yeah, he was hospitalized for blood clots. It could barely walk. But, yeah, I'm uh, sorry so, to hear that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, he had one daughter, Mia, with Yvonne Mary Grace, who he married in 1994. He was 69 years old. He was Shirley's boyfriend, for those that don't Love remember. Love the Big Ragu. The Big Ragu. He's a super talented guy, right? Yeah. Oh, he's singing and dancing. Yeah, like great. He was, was kind of like hitting above his, his weight. Like, he was... Too talented to be on that show in a weird way, right? No, no, he wasn't. He was a talented guy. Come on, that was a great show. Do we need to do the RIP on Otis Anderson Jr.? No, we don't need to do that. Oh, my. Yeah. His dad is the Otis Anderson from the Giants, right? No, different oh, Otis not. Anderson. Oh, it is. Okay. Completely different Otis Anderson. Well, that's, okay. that's good. But yeah, yeah. sad one, 23 yeah. years old. The Otis Anderson from the Giants that you're talking about is from not my hometown, but real close. I remember him playing football in high school. He was a legendary football player. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Running back when uh, my, when my kind of my brother's age, a little older than my brother's age. He yeah. was good on Tech Mobile. Tech Mobile 2, that I know. He was good in the NFL. Super Bowls with the Giants for Bill Parcells. Him and Meggett were the two running backs. And he started his career where? In Phoenix, Arizona for the Phoenix Cardinals. Oh, he did. Yeah, I believe so. I think that that sounds right, actually. All right, I got one final one, unless you have something else. Well, I have one right before your last, last one. Okay, go ahead. Oh, you're ready. Well, I'm not going to go from RIPs to, you know. Well, I want to give a Mitch Unfiltered nod to the Coach of the Week in all of sports. Okay. I don't normally give Coach of the Week awards, yeah. but I think this guy deserves one. Okay. The Coach of the Week for Mitch Unfiltered this week is a guy by the name of Solomon Bozeman. Okay. I wouldn't expect that you – let's put it this way. If you know who Solomon Bozeman is, you are much different than I ever <laughs> thought. Okay. He's the 33-year-old wow. first-year head coach – head basketball coach of Arkansas Pine Bluff. All right. You ever heard of Arkansas Pine Bluff? I th- yeah, I've heard of it, yes. Well, they were 1-8 and eight 
the other night, and they took their show on the road. They're one and eight team in his first year, thirty-three years old. They took their show on the road to play Iowa State from a big conference, a Big yeah, Twelve sure. team, and they were getting their rear ends handed to them as you would expect a one and eight Arkansas Pine Bluff team to do. Yeah. And with eighteen twenty to go in the second half, Solomon Bozeman in the first one forty of the second half, eighteen twenty to go in the second half, he had seen enough. And he called a timeout. He was livid with his team the way they started the second half. Place was going crazy. Iowa State. Everybody's excited. Their team's doing well. And his team comes running over, sits on the bench, and is waiting to get a tongue lashing from Solomon Bozeman, drop some plays and whatever. And Bozeman turns to him and turns to them and does something I have never heard in all of my years of them doing. Okay. He sends them out on the court to run. Wind sprints. Come on. Like to run lines? To run lines in the middle of the timeout. And they did it. They did it. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Like, are you trying to lose? You're just going to tire your players out. Like He said, I've had enough. Everybody out on the floor start to win. Everybody in Iowa, all the crowd's like, what, 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 yeah. what's going on? The team's running back and forth oh during gosh. the timeout. The officials, they don't know what to do. They're right. like, wait a second. Are they allowed to do that? You're not, you're not allowed to use the floor during a timeout. Right. So they're running back. The whole team is running back and forth, and he's just sitting there. Wow. That's like, it's like Hackman <laughs> playing with four guys and Hoosiers, right? I mean, something you've never seen before. Well, good for him for sticking to his guns and you know making making his players have a little. I have never heard crazy. of a basketball coach on any level in the middle of a timeout making his team run wind sprints. That's embarrassing. <laughs> that is really embarrassing. I'm sure some parents aren't loving that. By the way, there's my coach of the coach of the week, 33 year old Solomon Bozeman of Arkansas Pine Bluff. And by the way, there's video. Not great. It's like phone video from people in the tents yeah. oh my of God. the team running back and forth. And the, and the officials blowing the whistle like, no, 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 get back to your bench. Yeah, you can't we've do never this. seen this. What yeah. do we do here? Yeah. I guess you don't have to actually play basketball if you don't want to. Well, you can just run up and down the court. You're not, you're not obligated I to mean, go play the what game. What if I called a timeout and I said, we're not going to use this timeout. Just go out and shoot. Would they allow my team to get some shots up during a timeout? Uh, during? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think you can shoot during a timeout. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. So I don't know that you should be running That's sprints funny. either. Oh my gosh, how embarrassing for that team! <laughs> it's bad enough they're one and eight and they're getting their butts kicked, and now you got to go run wind sprints. There you go. All right, I got one final one. Yes, sir. And my machine is definitely not going to make it through this. I'll go quick. Yep. <clears throat> a woman on a Delta Airlines flight reportedly began to breastfeed her cat during the flight. Oh my god! And refused to stop when confronted by the crew. Oh According to Newsweek, the incident happened on a flight between Syracuse and Atlanta, Georgia. A well, now, I know this. A now viral message posted on social yeah, media shows this. you do. Yeah. It showed a screenshot of an aircraft communications addressing and reporting system message from the pilot to the ground that said, requiring red coat, meet passenger in seat 13A who was breastfeeding a cat and will yeah. not put the cat back in yes, its carrier. I saw this. Now, red coat is a special group dubbed customer service experts by the airline. Uh, flight attendant talked about it on TikTok. Delta allows passengers to bring small dogs and cats. Oh, my God. As a, uh, emotional support animals, but they have to stay in a carrier under the seat. Oh. Delta says they have seen passengers interpret the emotionally supportive to mean comfort turkeys, possums. You know, people have been pushing it for a long time. And I got to say, after reading this story, uh. I'd like to be the first to say it was nice knowing you all because clearly the human race is on its way out soon. Turns out uh, that people on the left were outraged by this story because she wasn't vaccinated. See, I give, I give it to both sides. When asked for a comment, the woman admitted to being confused when confronted by the crew saying, oh, I thought they were saying for me to put, my, put away my kitty. I messed it up. 
the first you're, you're out you're rusty i'm trying to hustle through this too because it's gonna die oh no 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 you wouldn't want to be without the last two jokes okay. the first passenger to witness this was a man seated next to her and decided he'd finally seen enough after two hours and finally <laughs> it's not all bad news for the woman since the incident occurred she's uh, since signed a book deal and begins filming her pilot for bravo in a month oh. <laughs> we love famous people for some reason there you go you know when i read this story several days ago i thought Boy, if he sees this story, it's, it's <laughs> really coming, it's, yeah. But I had forgotten about it, and then you brought it back. When asked for a comment, the woman admitted to being confused when confronted by the crew, saying, "Oh, I thought they were saying for me to put away my kitty." Better, thank you very Better much. Better delivery. I, yeah, you got a second I, shot. I was going too fast. Not yes. bad. And I have the highest paid athletes ever, but I'll save it for maybe save another it. time. Yeah, save yeah, it for yeah. another time. Yeah. There you go. Uh, don't forget, everybody, um, to enjoy the holiday season. We have a little uh, a little deal that was announced on this show, episode one sixty nine. You know that. We're partners with Daniel's Broiler, and you know that they make those famous bar mixers, drink mixers. Yep. Like one is called Old Fashioned. I think that's the most successful one that they now have bottled, and they're selling on Amazon, QFC, and nice. all over the place. They are selling really well. It's been it's been a Great. big business for them, selling these drink mixers. Well, for the holidays, at least for the month of December, a Mitch Unfiltered listeners, if you want to get your hands on one of these Daniel Broiler mixers, and there's like five or six of them now, just go to Amazon, order anything you want. I think they're fifteen or seventeen dollars. Okay. Put in the discount code Mitch ten DB. Mitch ten Daniels awesome. Boiler DB. Okay. And when you do, you get ten percent off. It's a nice little stocking stuffer. Sure. It's not a huge gift, but if you're looking for something for your your honey uh, during the during the holidays, and they, and you know that he likes drink mixers and drinks and all those types of yeah. things, this is the way to do it. I want it for myself. Yeah. I mean, get it for yourself. Like, I've tried many a time and actually bartended, but when you make cocktails at home, it just, yeah. for some reason doesn't taste yeah. like the restaurant. I'm telling I you. I don't know why. These things are on fire. <laughs> That's great. I love they it. They are selling like hotcakes. Great. It was a great idea by them. Anyway, again, discount code on Amazon, Mitch10DB, and you'll get 10% off of any amount of these... Uh, of these mixers that you want from Daniel's Boy. That's it. Love it. Okay? And Beat the Boy's password is Ray. Yes, it is. Yes, for episode 169, now in the books.